Hey, MFM, see you on the lift. Back attack, dude. Fun for Hey, your homies good. Slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, it's another beautiful day here in the booth at the Bomb Hole, which is presented by Pub Beer and, of course, Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts. Today in studio, we got Jeremy Jones hosting. Jones, what's happening? Not a lot. Like you said, beautiful day. Happy to be here. We're happy that you're here. And, of course, Silk D, the producer back there, mullets freshly trimmed up. Silk, how we doing? Doing good. Keeping the mullet a little, little hidden today, you know. Maybe go watch another episode and see it. Yeah, watch it grow out, see what time of year it is. And, of course, we got Jody Wachniak from the Great White North Canada in the booth. Uh, Jody, what's happening? Not a whole lot. Stayed at Harry's last night. He was uh, playing a live music with some homies at a radio station. Mm-hmm. And I went to that last night, and it was the coolest thing I've ever been to. The whole time I was there, I was like, this is nice. So I'm really good. Thanks for having me on the show. KUAA. Check out their radio station. It's amazing. Uh, And then for the listeners that don't know who you are, Jody, I did an intro. Now, Jody is a professional snowboarder with a deep vault of video parts where he destroys the streets, he destroys park jumps, and, of course, the Whistler backcountry with impeccable style, and he he tweaks his grabs like a true Canadian beauty. He's also a media guy. With the Airtime Podcast that keeps us entertained with great interviews, should be a fun chat today. We have a banter specialist in the booth. I think it would be fun to kick off with uh, with the Airtime Podcast and you know just how your journey has been in the podcast world. Oh, man. <laughs> in short, a nightmare. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I started the podcast during COVID which was a bad time because you're locked in your house. You're not getting feedback. You're not seeing homies. So I'm just doing guests, and it's 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 coming out poor. Now that I've looked back on them, it's, it is bad content. And uh, it all kind of came from living with Sean P., my old roommate, Sean Pettit. Shout out. Yeah. yeah. World's best skier and snowboarder, but yeah, he doesn't try too hard at snowboarding. He's so talented. But I was living with him and his girlfriend, Cash, and I would sit in the kitchen and just talk about boarding with Sean. And we, him and me can just go back and forth. And I think kind of one day I was like, oh, I should start a podcast. And Sean was like, dude, you'd be, yeah, you totally should. And he's always, he's a big advocate for like, if you want to do something, do it. And Sean has done so much with his life. And a lot of that is because, yes, he's a really skilled uh, skier and snowboarder and skateboarder and everything he does. But he also, like, is proactive. He, like, goes for it. Like, as soon as he likes something, he's, like, head first. And I'm kind of a little bit more timid with that because I get in my head and I'm like, my ideas suck. I shouldn't do that. And he's like, dude, your idea doesn't suck. You should actually do it. And, I, and then I was like, fuck it. Like, let's, let's try this podcast thing out. And I started recording. The first episode was with Kuzik, and I cut him off a thousand million times. And uh, um, since then, it's gotten... Slightly better. I don't know. You could tune in and listen to it, but I think it's gotten a lot better, and uh, uh, it brings a lot of meaning to my life. I really like doing it, and uh, I'm a huge, obviously, the biggest bombhole fan, and I don't think that airtime would be, like, it would be so bad if the bombhole didn't come out, because it's, like, the perfect thing to, like, strat, like, I got to step my game up, you know what I mean? You need those things, and, and I've been like that my whole life. Like, I've had 
I've been surrounded by the world's best snowboarders and skateboarders growing up and just people and musicians. And I was never the best at everything, but I strive in environments where my mentors are like superior than me in like every way, shape or form. And I'm like, damn, like maybe I could get better at this. So I don't know. Kudos for you guys for coming out and doing this shit proper because this is amazing what you guys have built. Appreciate the kind words. Now I have to ask, being a podcast host, uh, you said your skills have gotten better. I approach it sometimes like it's a skill set, almost like snowboarding, learning how to host a show in some ways, right? I totally agree. Um, My personality type is to just talk and just get excited. Like if if Jeremy's like, oh, forum, uh, like, and he's about to like elaborate. I'm like, oh, I had a forum board and it was this board and I wrote it and I snapped. And he's like, yeah, like I snapped a board too. I'm like, oh, secondly, I snapped another board. And I'm like, Jeremy's like, oh, thanks for listening to my story. <laughs> like, so I had to like tone back my excitement because snowboarding just is my life. So I just get really juiced up when people are talking boarding. Do more mm-hmm. people come up to you and say, I love your snowboarding or do more people talk to you about the podcast? these days oh, great question uh strictly podcast and <laughs> and that's like it is cool though really? when somebody comes yeah i feel like snowboarding i've only had a couple people over the years but if you go to certain locations like winnipeg's definitely a little different or seymour's always kind of has like a thriving community mm. that kind of follows like finger on the pulse but uh, in short, I don't know, not too many people are coming up to Jody at an airport to be like, yo, are you Jody from Airtime? Or like, I saw your part in Sandbox. <laughs> like, that shit ain't happening. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, if you're Jeremy Jones, like, if that didn't happen for a while there, the world was tripping. Let's not sleep <laughs> on that Sandbox part, though. Come <laughs> on. Uh-uh. Now, what, what other thing while we're talking about po- pod- podcast too, is like, uh, you know, in my experience... It's kind of cool because as a snowboarder, people are like, I love your front board on that rail in whatever it was. I love the song you wrote to. I love that part. And then now at the podcast, it's almost like people are like, I know you, dude. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're like, they know your personality more. Can you speak on that at all in your experiences? Yeah, there's definitely like, I think when you do start a podcast because you let people into your life to some extent, people start to know you more than you know them. And, you know, you just get intertwined. Like, I feel like I know you so well because I've listened to so many bomb holes. I mean, mm. I followed Jeremy's whole career on a s- snowboard uh, specific kind of like, you know, I was obsessed with his riding. But it was really cool to see him kind of get intertwined in the bomb hole and just to hear him talk, to hear Jeremy's thoughts. You know what I mean? I think mm. that, yeah, I'm just, yeah, shout out to that and just creating this this space because... I mean, I like doing it on airtime, but like it is like the people that come to Salt Lake that live here. It's like this is the mecca now, and it's so nice to hear stories from people. It is it, like it's a really diverse community, but it's like amazing to hear how uh, like we all kind of think the same. You know what I mean? Every like if you listen to enough bombhole episodes or airtime episodes, you're like, oh, people have to face adversity and go through challenging times, and they get in their head and. The, oh, I loved the other day when you guys were uh, the Bobby Meeks episode with the Grim Reaper coming for you to just wipe out your career. Because <laughs> I'm still like, like you know, I'm still trying to board, but like I have this podcast, but like I know he's like hatchet right behind my head right now. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Fun. Fun stuff. All right. Let's talk about where you grew up because there's not a lot of snowbirds from Winnipeg. 
So I would love to hear your take on where you grew up riding, what it was all about. Winnipeg, 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 Winnipeg. Uh, well, my dad was a, I'm from a super small town, Oak Bank. 800 people. I grew up on a farm. I had a horse, similar, like uh, five minutes away from Jay Kuzik, who uh, my family was uh, close with his family, horse-related uh, um, relationship there. Uh, my dad was an auctioneer. You know, sick. Cool. You know? Banter got him. Bantam. Oh, wow. Like the, the goat. Um, mom was a veterinarian, adorable sister. Like life there was peachy. Lived four minutes away from Spring Hill, which is a floodway ditch. It's like got the world's smallest chair left. It's way faster to walk up. Um, it was super <laughs> cold winters. Like if you were about snowboarding, you were like about it because it's just cold and there's no trees and like if you're going to snowboard on sheer bubbled ice day in and day out there's got to be something that keeps you going there and i think a lot of kids go there because um maybe like their family like i feel like a lot of kids go there like to a skate park to just get away i had the luxury of having an amazing family but i i went there because i couldn't skateboard mm. and uh i looked up to jake at such a young age like kuzik because like i actually texted them the other day some like little kid was kick flipping down a, a set and i sent them the video and i was like dude that looks like you in grade five like like bowl haircut <laughs> jake he's so small when he was a kid and he was so good at skateboarding from such a young age like he in a way jake like brought skateboarding to our small town because his older cousin was like an established skater who was friends with like Jason Crawley and the whole Skate Skates team, which was, like, an iconic skate shop. And so he, like, brought, like, skate culture in a way. Uh, him and a handful of other people, obviously. But, like, yeah. And then, you know, our group. And our, we had a crew called Gypsy Mob. And we rode at this blistering cold hill. And, I mean, we had a really good crew there. A group of die-hard snowboarders who all found it and, like, had that same passion that like most of the listeners right now have. Like there's just like a spark that you're like, oh, like life can be so boring. Like there must be more to this. And snowboarding, when I found it, was like, this is the more. This is everything. This is like skateboarding to me was cool, but snowboarding just had this a little bit more of an element of fun. And I think like from a young age, I've never thought like I was the coolest. And when I hung out with skate kids in Winnipeg, it's like they were cool. And I was always like, I'm not that cool. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm all right, but like, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I'm a kind of like a dork in some ways or whatever, however you want to put it. Or I think about uh, myself like in that manner. And uh, fuck. Yeah, we all did. Like Andrew Jeeves. Like there's another like Ooh. iconic figure who him and his close friend, Kevin Griffin, another iconic figure from Winnipeg. Um, Dara Reed, like lots of. It's wild to see, like, a Derek Malinsky, like, a whole group of snowboarders who shared, like, similar interests, but it kind of stemmed from Jake, Kevin Griffin, and Andrew Jeeves, and this other guy named Chris Sanyuk, who uh, is not necessarily a notable figure, but to anybody who's lived in Winnipeg, he shaped, like, our culture. He was the definition of... Somebody who's cool without trying to be cool. Like, when Love Hate came out, he was 15, 16 or 17, and he was already Love Hate without trying to be Love Hate. Like, he just was, like, that shit came out, and it's like... He was already He there. was already, like, wearing, like, the, like, red 
sunglasses that looked like Kurt Cobain and a fedora and smoked ciggies. And like he had to face like a lot of adversity growing up. So he wasn't like like he would just wear like leather jackets and like he brought that energy to the hill of like this is why love hate is sick and like opened our whole eyes to that. But then you had like Andrew Jeeves and Kevin Griffin and Jake Kuzik and it's like Jake brought the camera to the hill. Mm. Kevin brought like Kevin and Andrew brought skate influence and like the importance of like simplicity of tricks and not like doing things with style and pop and like what you looked like because they idolized like the form eight. And like they brought that to the hill. And Jeeves was actually like when I was a kid was on the form amp team. And I I can sit here and talk about Andrew all day. He's one Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. The shakedown Akon part. Yeah, even Lord. that part is mind melting. But before then it's like like people think of Andrew in that part, I would say, is like kinda he's seventeen, he's doing the craziest shit ever. But fuck. He was to this day, now that I coach the camp champions for like 15 years or like close to, um, I'm older. I ride with kids. I go back and I hold a, a snowboard contest actually back in Winnipeg called King of the Hill. If you're from Winnipeg, come to King of the Hill. See here. It's going to be sick. I'll give you a bunch of prizes. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know. Jeeves, dude. I don't know. What, like, I have a question. Best style ever. Who's the Winnipeg goat? Um, Hard hitting. Mm. Well, I think for me, it would be Griff or Jeeves, and that's a close toss-up because I, like, idolized those two for, like, a lot of my youth. And then moving to Whistler, like, they all, like, we, you got to do it proper, you know what I mean? And I was, like, never the best, so, like, I had to, like, put my work in. And I would see, like, Andrew do a frontside seven melon at the hill, and it was, like, he's 16, and he has as good of a style as... Nicholas Mueller. I would like his style was like the best. I was talking with Jake before this. Like Andrew's style from like 15 to 17, I I would pick that style over mine today or mm-hmm. anyone anyone. Like not a lot of people are going to get to see that, but like we I think we all grow up and you have like those like local heroes that like not necessarily got the shine they deserved or they did like Andrew and even though Andrew did kind of blow up for a minute there, I never think people will know how truly good he was. Mm-hmm. Like some people did, like even Devin on the podcast, like who's like kind of the most underrated. He's like Jeeves, but he kind of blew it. But he kind of knows he blew it. And I love Andrew more than anybody. But yeah, the GOAT, Andrew or Griff, but Jake. But it's tough for me to say Jake because like we're like best friends kind of going at it through the whole time. So he wasn't necessarily like a mentor figure. And the GOAT to me mm. is typically somebody a little bit out of reach, which seems more like Andrew or Kevin. But I mean, it's undeniable, like, what Jake has accomplished and how good he is, and, like, we're such close friends, and after his dad's passing, it just, like, brought us closer together, and after him coming out and stuff, it's just, like, we have kind of a a new relationship, which is beautiful, if you... Legendary. Yeah. Three-part answer. We'll take it. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. We'll take it. I'm a, sorry. I'm a banter. <laughs> you know, going, going back to talking about Jeeves, though, that's something that I think when I was, you know, you watch watch him in his early days uh you just see you know there's certain people like you said that just they just have it whatever it is and I, what i see is just supreme confidence on the snowboard like the the confidence is just ridiculous you watch the way he's riding it's insane yeah like when i first moved to to whistler like to stray away from the like the king hill like or spring hill air chapter or whatever like 
beautiful time. We had a crew called Gypsy Mob, made some movies. Jake brought the camera to the crew, first one to kind of film. But, like, once Jeeves moved to the mountain, it wasn't like most kids who moved from, like, Minnesota to, like, Salt Lake or Mammoth back in the day. Or you moved to Whistler and you're like, oh, I got to learn how to, like, ride the mountain and get good at riding these jumps that are different and built proper. Because everything is scaled back so small when you're at a place like Manitoba or Minnesota. He just immediately picked it up. Like, we're, he was riding 80-foot jumps the year he got there. And it's like, there's no scrub. Like, everybody, when I, it was the era of 2005 to 2010, maybe. It was the era where if you had a 10, like, you were scrubbing. Like, not a lot of people could hold their edge, like, really strong on a takeoff and get, like, that proper takeoff, proper pop. And Jeeves was like, there's no scrub. Like, front seven melon, like, he's popping 10 feet higher than everybody. And within five months, every single rider in Whistler was like, that's the best snowboarder that's ever, like, he's the best ever. Like, from Sollers to Simone Chamberlain to Devin Wall, it was like everybody knew who this kid was, was. And he had, like, in a way, he had, like, the craziest energy and he like if he was going out you knew he was at the bar dude. Mm-hmm. he was wearing two bandanas mm-hmm. gold shoes like <laughs> like insane like 3dc puffies he had a grill in because renzi and trevor andrew always had grills yeah, and like his great fit his heroes were like the wildcats and yeah. like that whole crew and so like if andrew was out everybody knew he was out and he was the first to be like my name's andrew jeeves and i'm the best snowboarder here there was like this rivalry that wasn't really talked about but logan short legend um brian mcclatchy e-man anderson and jeeves were kind of like and matt belzil like between those like those were the best snowboarders when i first moved to town and every one of those snowboarders immediately was like he's he's the best like i feel like the best like all of them were like kind of the best but jeeves for being like 16 and they were like five years older and you know how like kids have like little kid skateboard style and little kid snowboard style and you're like yeah once you get older you'll start looking awesome it's like andrew at 15 looked like a 25 year old pro and then there's me drifting off the side of the jumps and andrew's like you suck (laughs) like not actually but he kind of gave me the gears and i think that that was the best push i could have ever gotten like Mm. he doesn't know that but like by him by being like dude like why would you or why would you grab like that like grab like grabs that were whack with certain spins why would you ever grab with that spin like you don't see like chris brown doing that or like who like people that he really looked up to because his favorite video was uh like young brown walsh and uh, um what's that other video there that they made the first the first wildcats video little bastards there it so is. Little oh, Bastards was the big one for them. But anyways. All right. We got a guest question from none other than Dara. Nice. Straight up legend. Winnipeg Loke. Here we go. Hi, Jody. It's your fellow former Spring Hiller, Dara McLean here. Uh, I listened to you talk a lot already, but I'm very excited to hear this episode. I'm assuming prairie dogs and gypsy mob and all that good stuff has already come up. So I have two questions for you. Uh, first, can you recall when exactly you realized that pursuing snowboarding as a career was a realistic option? I feel like we all dreamt of it, but being from Winnipeg, it seemed like a really far off kind of impossible goal. So when and how and why did it seem attainable to you? Um, what made you keep going instead of moving back to Manitoba to raise horses or whatever they do in Oak Bank? Uh, second question, you're pretty self-deprecating and hard on yourself. I would love to hear you pump your own tires and talk about your favorite thing you've ever done on a snowboard. 
Okay, thanks. Okay, so favorite thing I've ever done on a snowboard. And then the first question was, what did she say again? I got... Uh, when you basically when you moved, uh, kind of when did you realize that you could make it oh, in snowboarding? Yeah, I think yeah. was what she was allotting to. Uh, well, not to just carry this on with the uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, if I'm just being honest with myself, Kevin Griffin and Jeeves again. Those two like kind of were getting sponsored, and w- at that time frame in snowboarding, people could actually get some some loot. They could kind of get paid. And they were starting to get a little bit of love. Um, Kevin had already, before we moved out to to Whistler, uh, Griff was already, like, hooked up, already turned down, like, brands like DC because he had things going with other companies. He was getting, like, Flo Oakley stuff, and he was going to Super Park. And so, like, we had this figure that was, like, larger than life to look up to. And he was, like, really good. And then Jeeves, who I was living with at the time, made it all seem like I can do this too. So Andrew filmed his first part in Sandbox, which you just kind of talked about. He filmed that part in, like, I think he's 16 in that part. He's frontboarding, like, kink rails today. Like, I've been to that rail. I board slid that rail the year after. It's like, that thing is insane. It is so bucky. And, like, it would be an ender of any person's video part today. And he went out there, and he came back after, like, a five-day trip, stacked that whole part, and he was like, I was like, oh, how'd the trip go? He's like, dude, this shit's easy. I don't know why I don't like do like <laughs> like a joke. And so he's just partying and everything like that. And then the year after, it's like brands are like calling him. And he's like, he's like, and he doesn't even know how like he's <laughs> his life is chaos. Like I live with him and we have like this other two homies, that Chris guy that I mentioned earlier from Winnipeg uh lived with us at the time. And all we're doing is we're young kids, we're living in the mountains, we're snowboarding every single day. We have $804 in our bank account, and we're paying $300 in rent, and we can live off that for X amount of days if we eat, like, shit on the mountain and make soup out of, like, ketchup or whatever and just survive on that amount. But, like, when Jeeves started getting paid and started, like, getting boxes, and that was the era when, like, you guys both know because you – you were beforehand, but Chris, you you probably can attest to this riding with your earlier sponsors. Like, a box was crazy. If a brand was really hyped on you back, it was like, Jeeves was getting crates to the house. Yep. Like, he was on DC head to toe the following year. And uh, I think he was still on Dino and like Electric and a couple other brands and Airhole when it first came out. And like, it was just like boxes were showing up. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Pardon my language. Um, and uh, I couldn't believe it. And Andrew's just giving me stuff because I wasn't sponsored at the time. I wrote for Mission 6 the year after, but then they were kind of going through this, like, uh, different team managers. I got lost in the loop, and I kind of stopped following up because Jeeves was just being like, you can just have whatever you want in the house. I have 50 pairs of electrics. Take whatever you want. Like, I have 100 pairs. Like, he had so much shit that it was just, like, in my room because we would alternate who gets the master bedroom because <laughs> Jeeves is on the couch. Like, we had one person on the couch, one person on the floor, one person in the bed, and we would alternate month after month. That's kind of <laughs> sick. It was kind of sick. Yeah. And then, like, but it was kind of sus when you would bring home, like, a partner or something like that. You'd be like, damn, this is, this is sus. Mm-hmm. But, like, once I saw Andrew kind of making it, I was like, damn, like, this is... This is like, I, and I noticed I was getting better. And as Dara said, I, I'm really self-deprecating and I never really think too much of uh, myself. What I do and I don't. Like I know when a clip's good and I know when one's not, but if it's slightly not, I know it. I'm like, it could have been better. Mm. And 
so then I was like, damn, like Jeeves is making it. And Jeeves is like kind of hyped on me now because I'm kind of listening to him and I'm not doing wax spins anymore. And I'm getting less drifty on the jumps. And like, yeah, I was kind of getting some loves from, from some sponsors. And I was like, I, I love, this is the thing I love more than ever. Like there, there was a part of me that was like, I'm going to chase this because I want to be a professional who makes money. And then like 80% of my head was like, I'm going to chase this anyway because this is the best thing in the entire world. Like there was a part of me that wanted to chase it for some sort of paycheck. But as long as that paycheck would cover my rent and put soup on a, in a bowl, like I was like, fuck yeah, like let's let's do this. And I was like, it was just so exciting. So yeah, Jeeves and Griff got me like kind of excited to take a, a swing at professional snowboarding and realize that like you know maybe this could be a reality and in short i'll summarize that with like whistler you have people like jeremy coming to whistler you know filming parts like chalk smack and stuff like that and they're showing up new trucks new sleds they're staying in hotels like they're they have gold grills in their mouth they're like and i'm going out to these nightclubs and everybody every super pro is there and they are all making money like like, not, like, fake money. Like, you know, the whole un-ink crew's in the bar, and it's like, dude, these people are making fifteen to $30,000 a month, and you can see that. And I'm like, I want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. and Jeeves is getting a little bit of shine, and you're like, damn, like, this is kind of crazy. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take a swing at it. And then her second second question is... Uh, Favorite moment of your career. All right, we're going to do some general bomb hole house cleaning here. We got some announcements. We are announcing bomb hole ride day rail jam at Woodward, January 6th fun grassroots event where we're just going to ride the resort and then do a rail jam at the end of the day. Some live music should be a blast. We also have Bomb Hole Cup at Brighton, April 6th and 7th. That's our third year doing it. It's a really fun one. Uh, We also just launched at Run Through Wall Smelling Salts Instagram. So be sure to follow them. We've been posting all kinds of stupid videos uh, because smelling salts are stupid and we love them. Uh, also, I get asked about the co-host all the time. Who's the co-host? What's going on? So uh, Jeremy's been co-hosting when he can. A lot of times we just get friends of the guest. You know, Donna Carpenter, we had Mary. Um, we've had Jesse Burtner. We have all different types of people. If they're friends with the guests we're interviewing, a lot of times we bring them in. Or we have Jeremy. Jeremy. So just kind of expect a revolving door of co-hosts. We've been running it like that. It's been really fun. We've been enjoying it. Also, we've been redoing our website. So we've been posting all kinds of videos as they come out. So be sure to bookmark bombhole.com if you're looking for some snowboard content. And, of course, the Man Boys video just dropped on Monday. So be sure to check out Tango Echo November. It's on our YouTube channel. It's their 10th video. It's straight Fuego Salsa Picante. So check out the Man Boys going giant, as always. Uh, we also have uh, Seb Picard dropped his project called Four on our channel uh, last week, so be sure to check that out. And of course, check out the Airtime podcast, Jody's podcast, if you're looking for something to listen to. But let's get back to the show. Thanks, guys. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about our sponsor, Hippies. Now, this is a chip company that supports a snowboard podcast, so keep that in mind if you're buying some chips. Support companies that support snowboarding. They also got tasty flavor packed chips. I've been running the nacho vibes. Let me tell you something. It's flavor country all day long. They're packed full of flavor. They're non-GMO and they're made with chickpeas. So they're healthy. They got some good protein in there and you can find them at your local grocery store. Whenever I'm in Whole Foods, I always see them. And you can also find them at hippies.com. 
So use promo code BOMBHOLE, all caps, for 20% off your order at Hippies. All right, we're going to talk Capita Snowboards here, and I'm going to tell you about my daily driver here. I ride the Capita Mercury. The 156 is my daily driver from just going up to the mountain, ride some park, ride some side hits, ride some groomers. I'm taking the Capita Mercury 156. It's the board sitting behind me on set, and it's good for all mountain or powder. I might size up to the 158 if I'm hitting a high-speed cheese wedge. But other than that, I take the 56 pretty much everywhere I need to go. So I really like the way this board performs on jumps. The side cut is predictable when you're initiating a spin. It's got really, it's just got a really nice pop to it. You know, it's not too stiff. It's not too soft. I can trust it. You can land anything on it. It's just a great platform. And that platform, you can size up. If you want to attack the mountain and you can size down if you want to do just jibbing, you know, like I love hitting a rail on this board, you know, serve up a back lip on this bad Larry and you're psyched. So if you're looking for just kind of a do all snowboard for all mountain and park, definitely recommend the Capita Mercury. Again, the side cut is really nice and predictable. It carves well. It jumps well. It's just it's just a solid standard issue. Snowboard. And yeah, I've been really happy with the Capita Mercury. So check it out if you're looking for a new board. Favorite moment of my career. Maybe most proud, proud or proud clip or yeah. This one's kind like this one's. It just came to my head. Um, And I'll try to say this quickly. Uh, We had a buddy that we grew up at Spring Hill with. His name was Fred. he got sick and passed away when he was really young. Ugh. All right, Fred's laughing at me right now, so let's get back in. He's hyped. So uh, our, our friend Fred passed away, and um, the following year I was filming for the first Man Boys movie, which was really nice that that shit kind of came to fruition because I really wanted to dive headfirst into the backcountry because living in Whistler, I just got slowly more and more inspired by that like chapter. And we were hitting this jump, and I did a front three melon on it, and uh, and I did a front nine on it actually, and I was hyped on those two things. And then Rusty's like, "Dude, there's like you're kind of on one, and there's a little bit of landing to the left. Like, dude, like you got a decent switchback seven. Like switchback seven, this thing." And I was like at the top of the in run, and I was like super nervous. And I was like, I had like this moment where I just like talked to Fred. Which I don't do with like a bunch of people who like pass away. It was just like this unique thing. And I wouldn't even say that I was best friends with Fred growing up. He was just somebody that was like always at the hill, had the best vibe. He was best friends with my best friend, Jesse Walker. And when he passed, I realized like how important those younger people are that like hang out at your skate park or like, like you don't think of them as much, but then like they're gone and you're like, damn, that kid was sick. And then I, I uh, dropped in and I landed the switchback seven and it was like pretty perfect. And I just had like this dope moment of riding away and it was just like super euphoric. And now, so every year I pick one jump and I have like a Fred, a Fred jump and I normally land it first try. I do always land it first try. That's it. Since that day, every year I have one jump and I land it every time. I ride away and my crew, they're all down there and they're like, yeah, that one was for Fred. So. It's dope. First try Fred. Uh, first try Fred. And there's like, if you look at like my Instagram, I have a couple jumps where I like scrape his name into the jump. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. 
Fuck yeah. That's the Red's juice, hype, man. That's the juice. Yeah. That's the juice. Just cause And I know he's laughing at me right now because that guy he's the best. And he's like, dude, why are you crying, man? Like <laughs> But like I think I'm just older now and you realize that like you take it all for granted. When you're younger, you're like, fuck, like this is all just it's all just fun and then people start passing. I'm not even an emotional person. I don't know where this came from, but maybe because I don't normally talk about it. I just kind of like... It's good. It needed to come up. It needed to come up, and it's great that it did. And just because you can't see Fred doesn't mean he's not there watching, and and he's proud as fuck, you know, and that's so special. And he's fucking hyped. You can hear it in your storyline how much, uh, you know, the crew developed you, first of all, and then how you kind of jump from that, from everything. And that's, I mean, you got to accept what that's tapping into. Like you're seeing, I guess my point is to not, not recognize it as something that you took advantage of because like Fred's clearly like fueled you on so many things. I mean, he's, you got first tries like on lock when it's, kind of the Fred jump and the crew knows about it too. And then, so then back to that crew, like, and I, and we'll get into that more with man boys, but it's the same storyline. Like you picked a good crew, a crew that's going to keep working, keep motivating each other. So in terms of, uh, taking things for advantage, like for sure you have not because your, your pattern is what you learned from, from that group still hundred percent. It was just uh it was just like nice like like Fred to me like almost just like yeah it's about Fred but it's like just like it kind of just reminds me of like the whole crew mm-hmm. like like firefight or whatever you know what I mean you got your crew and it's like once you start losing members of that you're like damn and so it's nice to bring his <clears throat> to bring him into the mountains and to just make me re- it almost makes me realize how special the whole thing is like mm-hmm. snowboarding like being out there with your friends and trying tricks and it's like this joke that you take so seriously and like <laughs> but like yeah i don't know it's a it's a beautiful thing that i have uh with with him and like i said like he wasn't like my best friend that i was hanging out with 24/7 it was just like somebody I really enjoyed hanging out with, somebody who brought an amazing energy to the hill, somebody that was so positive and just the perfect representation of somebody who just loves snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They never got the shine. They're not trying to get sponsored. But it's just another one of those homies that you see at the hill and you're like, I'm so grateful this guy snowboards and he's at the hill. Like if Fred never passed, he would still be at the Spring Hill contest. He'd be <laughs> on the mics with me and... He would try a lip slide and slip out, and you'd be like, yeah, Fred! <laughs> like, it would just be the best. So, um, yeah, shout-outs to Fred, and, like, just the the whole Man Boys crew is, like, we got, like, that special thing with, like, mm-hmm. when I pull out his name, I land, and, like, Rusty's the filmer now, and Rusty knows about the whole chapter, so he gives me, like, a, a special hug. It sinks deep, and it's, it's a fucking, it's a rad thing. And Dude. snowboarding is such a cool thing that we get to, like, experience in this, like, we're born in like what this time frame of life where we get to enjoy snowboarding that brings so many of us like such like joy and it like it's it's so special to me so yeah yeah that's great and even even this topic of you know losing losing a friend i think is also it's like death it 
is going to get all of us. And it's it's something I actually I actually love talking about death. It doesn't bother me at all. Same. And uh, Same. I, I think that the thing that's great about death is it like, you know, if you if you shove it down and you're like, you know, no, we're no, we don't talk about that. We don't think about that. We don't it's like, well, no, when you actually think about it, you're like, well, we don't have that much time in these meat vessels while we're here uh, till we pass on. That makes you like want to switch back seven to jump, or you're like, "Fuck, man!" Next thing I know, if if I stay stay around long enough, I'll be sixty. I I probably won't be able to switch back seven. This thing, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna probably do it now, and I'm gonna do it for the people that can't that that are aren't here anymore. And I think that death is a, is the greatest teacher of all. And so I I love talking about death. And I love your story about Fred, and I love it because it's really inspiring. It's it's like something to like take something that's like. Hor- like horrifically tragic and it's actually a, it's a positive thing in the sense that it is what you're using it for fuel it is it really is a it is a positive thing it's almost like the whole chapter of death is like actually the most beautiful thing in the world because you actually get to like it sinks in like i mentioned earlier like just how much friend fred meant to me and i didn't realize it until his passing mm-hmm. so there's like lots of people that you might even have like they're not your best friend but if like they're if you you hear that they're gone you're like Certain people, it's like you can deal with it a bit better. And then certain people, it like they struck a chord in you that you didn't even realize. And you were like, damn, like that person meant a lot to me. And like they shaped me more than I thought. And like Fred is just the perfect example of somebody who wasn't one of my best friends ever. We were cl- super close. Like, I, like if we seen each other, we're, we're like we're homies. But like, damn, you know, then then you lose them and you're like, you're just like, oh, so so that's it. Like people as and and the tragic thing is he, he was really young like he was like early 20s i want to say like 21 or something like that went in with a headache and then was gone in like a week like my best friend called me he's like oh he's fred's in the hospital and i was like oh like at this age like he can be out like why he, he doesn't need to stress like homie's gonna be good like and then he like he passed away and then like a year later my other best friend's brother passed away with like these are young kids and you're like it it's like why wouldn't you live your life to the fullest? Like, you never know when you know there the what did you say the meat? <laughs> well, the meat, these meat these meat, meat vessels. yeah like these, these, meat, these vessels meat vessels are, are aren't here yeah. forever. So yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah. I just I just as Devin said, and this is a common quote, but like I stopped to smell the roses more. Like mm-hmm. when I'm yeah. in the backcountry now, like every year I'm out there and like. Yeah, the streets is, like, always going to be a part of me, but, like, there's something about being in the mountains with a close group of friends or just being in the mountains, period, that, like, it's just, like, really beautiful in a way that I can, like, really sink into, like, the bigger picture of life. And it's, like, I didn't, like, when I'm 27 on my sled and I'm getting stuck everywhere and I think my sticker job isn't cool and my jacket doesn't fit the way I want, like... Now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, that can all just sit aside to some extent. You still want to have a tight jacket. You know, don't get me wrong. Your fit's got to be tight. <laughs> but like, yeah, a little I, I stopped. The comment, but yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. De- there's definitely something <laughs> to the backcountry, but there's nothing like the streets. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there's nothing like just staring down a triple kink rail and just thinking about life, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Just Nothing the exact really... same as like looking over a horizon with the sun going down mm-hmm. and all the mountains just glistening in fresh powder. It's oh, the exact no, same feeling. Nothing yeah, no, connects you to nature like just a, being in a back alley and just pulling a bungee just on a strip of snow. And then you slip and you <laughs> sit in a pile Eddie of wall human yourself. shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good stuff. Well, dude, I was watching, I was going through all your parts, man, and you're a fucking great snowboarder. I've always known right. that. But it was really fun. Some of the stuff that jumped out at me, because I've, I've th- seen you in the in the latest Man Boys videos doing your thing in Whistler. But the early earlier stuff, you're park jumping. You're going to Super Park, and you do this front nine on like a hundred foot jump, and your fucking axis is pro, dude. You go, you have that like it, I love watching how you do your spins because each one of them, you have the right front three axis. You do the front five with the sad air mute poke and then you have the the front nine with the indie and you do the kind of double shoulder head turn and and you come around and you land perfect um i just love watching you hit park jumps back in the day dude it's awesome thank you a big a big part of that came from uh that would have been kevin griffin too because he went to super park and he back in the day as you two know there was like a formula there was a recipe and it worked and so griff's like you're from winnipeg you got to get good at snowboarding then you come out to whistler then you get good at park jumping big park jumps you learn not how to drift how to pop how to do your tricks dialed then you film some street and you incorporate some park in your part then you get some budget then you buy a truck you buy a sled and then you're in the backcountry with those tricks and so like i moved to whistler i'm filming some steel clips and i'm like all right i got to go to super park i was like 18 griff's like i'll write bridges an email saying that i vouch for you because griff had already went to super park for like three years in a row and he like had a really good uh relationship with pat uh because griff's a canadian he would guinea all like a lot of the big jumps and he would well he was an exceptionally good snowboarder so pat was like fuck if you're gonna vouch for this kid like bring him and griff and i me kevin and logan short drove together and griff is just and logan had been to super park and they're giving me the spiel like and Super Park was gnarly back then. It oh, was yeah. like 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. And he was just like, okay, first thing you tell yourself, Jody, are you a sketch? He would look at me and I'd be like, no. I was like this little kid. And I was like, no, I'm not a sketch. He's like, are you a sketch? I'm like, no. He's like, are you a sketch? And I'm like, I get a little confident. I'm like, no, I'm not a sketch. He's like, exactly. Are you going to drift off the side of the jump and hit the knuckle, hit a tree? Are you sketchy? And I'm like, no. And he's like, good. Then don't drift off anything. If you feel like you can't hang, don't like tap yourself out before Pat does because it's embarrassing. First day I get there, bunch of these sketchy snowboarders. I'm like, I'm gonna keep it chill, just ride some of the bigger jumps, but not the biggest. Just make sure like I'm dialed. And I see, I'm not even gonna mention who, but I see Pat reaming him out, chairlift line, homie is bawling, crying, kicked out of super park, sketchy, flew off the side of the jump on day one. And I'm like, damn, this shit is real. Mm. Like somebody hand planted the the big hip. Done. Out of here. Bridges, like, get the fuck. And Pat was crazy, man. Like, I loved it though. Like, I grew up with a martial arts background and I I had like I got my black belt in it. And I really looked up to uh Mr. Dunn, who passed away. Also, rest in peace. Love that dude. Wouldn't be who I am without him. Um, about just like respect for like, I'm like, this is Pat's event. He's inviting me. Mm. Like, I'm privileged to be here. And if he says that shit doesn't go, like, that doesn't go. So I'm like, I'm not a sketch. I'm going to keep it tight. I'm going to just ride in the, in the groomed areas and not piss off anybody. And I just got on Tech 9 the year previous, thanks to Tanea Nash and Simone Chamberlain. Shout outs. Um, yeah, Simone, dude, like, 
weirdly took me under his wing for a year there, and uh, that was like after promo copying. I was the biggest Simone fan, so that was Legendary. really cool. So I'm there on Tech Nine. East Stone's there because it's Super Park. All the Tech Nine crew is there, and it's like Cole Taylor. I think Lucas had just got on them. Uh, I think Bittner was still like doing the thing, and like they're rolling deep. And it's like Tech Nine's got a vibe, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm the Canadian on it, but they don't. And I'm like, okay, like there's the big jump. I'm I'm gonna start hitting this this big jump. And Griff's like, dude, yeah, totally. Like you can you can hang. It's he's like, apparently it's a hundred feet big, and Travis Travis Rice is gonna film his new project on this movie, and there's a heli shoot. Uh, tomorrow night that maybe we can get we thought we could maybe get invited to this like heli shoot for this it's like a red bull heli shoot and people are talking about it i'm like damn like maybe if i like chuck some carcass on this thing like i can go to i can be in the t rice movie Mm -hmm. i just saw community (laughs) project i was like that'd be sick and we have our filmer there from sandbox clayton larson shout out the best and he's got a 16 he's filming opposite ridge and i i start like warming up on it and I had gotten pretty good front nines on it, and I got that front nine on it. I was hyped. Well, I kind of worked my way up. I, was, I think I did like a front three, front sev, back sev, and then I was like front nine. And then in the sandbox part, we used the back one and the front nine. But I did a front 10 on that jump. And because the whole tech nine crew was in the bottom, and the whole tech T9 crew was there, I got the front nine landed, and Eastone, he probably doesn't remember this he comes out to me he's like dude that was sick as fuck like night like i was the only tech nine rider hitting the jump and i was like i was like fuck yeah like they they know i'm here like i gotta Mm. show up this is my chance and like i'm not gonna slip i was like this is it like i gotta like kind of buckle up right now and i'm feeling good i'm riding good and bridges is up there and he starts tapping people out because it's getting like it's getting that glowy light so he only wants the best people like that are and he keeps looking at me like, yeah, you're, you're good. Because he has, like, people on mics. I think uh, Ashley Barker had just got a job with Snowboarder Mag. And she was telling Pat that I was killing it. She was getting good photos of me on it. So, like, I was, like, kind of getting in there. And I was like, nice. So I do this front 10. I come around. It's the best front 10 ever. It's this, It was so sick. It was the best thing I've ever done. I would have said this, Dara, but I didn't land it. <laughs> mm. Well, the story goes. I come around. I land it. Binding rips out of the board. And I've ragged all down the whole, I like land perfectly. And then my binding just rips off, like boot in binding, ripping down, like whole time, like I'm going to break my leg. Like that's the big, I went so deep on it. And then I'm just like in the landing with my board in shambles. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, like so bummed. But then luckily uh, the next day was that sunset shoot. And um, Pat let me kind of get in on it. And I did a, I was going to rebate the front 10 and I was like, nah, back 180 on this thing would probably feel like nice. mint. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like front 10, like Dustin had already done a front 10, I think. Craven, huge front 10. I think it was off the toes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and Charles, I got to show up that uh, Charles, Chucky, Dustin's best friend did a, a like front three tie pan and a front seven tie pan. It was like so standout. And at that time there was like super parks always got like the big jump where they kind of build like an amphitheater kind of vibe mm-hmm. where everybody can watch. Yep. And so I did the back one and I came up and hung out with all my homies and everybody's like super hyped on me. And that was like the first time I think I really gained, like I went from being like, Oh, like I- I'm like, I'm okay to like, I'm like, Oh no, I can hang. Like these are the best snowboarders in the world. And like, I'm riding this jump with Travis Rice, and I go back up to hit it again, and Pat's like, sunset shoots on Jody, like, no, but, like, gives me some knuckles, and it's just, like, it's right after my last go, which was, there was only, like, five people, like, left or six people that were hitting it, 
And it was like Dan Breezy and Dustin and J- oh my god, Jamie Anderson. Oh my <laughs> god, she back 180 it after me and then hit the next jump, which was recently salted and did a cab five. And there wasn't a lot of people even hitting that next jump and like no shots at her being a female or anything like that. But anybody going up that jump switch, freshly salted, like it was like it was insane because it was right when you land then you go up another jump and there wasn't a lot of people double lining it other than like travis rice and jamie back ones it doesn't know it's freshly salted and goes up and my heart i'm like this is this girl is going to die and she does the biggest cab five i've ever seen in my head at that time and just goes to the bottom and opens up and you know when somebody opens up way too early they're like oh they're going to their back she does one of those Boss opens up like Devin Floaty style. Like, you guys, you guys don't even know who <laughs> Jamie Anderson is, and and then everybody erupts because she lands it. So dope. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. I like how you did uh, tap yourself out day one by the binding break too, and putting it to feet like that's a legit stack, right? Yeah. Tapped yourself out of the session, yeah, by exploding binding. <laughs> yeah, no, good way to go. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, I got to go. And uh, and then I got obsessed with park jumping, going to Super Park. And then one of my years, I, I knuckled after lunch, took a little bit too long of a lunch and mm. thought they would have resalted and they didn't and knuckled. And then every year after that, I'm like, I'm not the big jump guy anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weight was a little off, huh? Yeah, one big totally. jump knuckle will change your whole trajectory, man. Oh, yeah. I just had a bruised heel for like, yeah. like two and a half months. And I was just like, and that was like the chapter for me going from like, okay, I, I know how to park jump. I'm just going to start. I'm going to buy a truck and sled. I just never learned. <laughs> you? Yeah. Oh, you didn't need to. Park dude. jump? No. Did a few. Get away with it. All right. We're going to get into run through a wall trivia. The concept is you got five to seconds to answer any trivia. of these questions. Uh, if you get it wrong, you have to take a whiff of a run through a wall smelling salt, which just wakes you up. So uh, you, you, just you said it. five? You have five seconds to answer. And I have how many questions? Uh, I think somewhere around 10. Fuck, should I get ton of, 10 of these? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll see how you do. I mean, I you might get, get a lot some, of them right. <laughs> so what you we know? did is we we basically did almost like Whistler backcountry trivia. Okay. So this oh, is actually big it. for your credibility. Oh. And Jones will count you down. So he'll count you into the fives. A little um, added stress. And here we go. Run through wall trivia. First question. Who did a backside 540 on the forum step down in a Transworld video? Five, Back five? Transworld video? Two. I have no one. idea. <laughs> the big wig Mikey Rents. Hit assault. Oh, All right, hit assault. I, was, I thought he did that on Lucas. Oh, he did Just on crack like this. Just pinch it, yeah. Pinch, yeah. Thumb in the middle. Break Thumb. the pencil, basically. There it is. <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good one. What does the term whistle wagon <laughs> yes. refer to? Five. Whistle wagon? Four, yes. Three. Two, Snowmobile. That's one. correct. Oh. Wow. Okay. Who that. pioneered Two. the Hurley Road Gap? Five. Devin four, Walsh. That's three. correct. Who pioneered Perfect Jump? Five. Uh, four, Derek Height. Three. That's correct. Who cab underflipped 1080 gap? Five. Lucas Huffman. Four, three. No. Maybe two, you're right, but my answer was JP one. Walker. Yeah. I got that from Cab Underflip. I got that. That was from uh, I Lucas. Believe. Does it off the toes? I think in. Uh, I can't confirm. Lucas or deny does the Lucas. it after. 
It, I'm not going to take a sniff there. The cab, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think JP had the cab under flip. That's what. what that's year? where I'd gone. I feel like 2000. I just watched. It was shakedown. You know, I can't confirm or deny these allegations, so I'm going to say you're good. Uh, I don't want to do any fake news. Okay, next next question. Yeah, it might be fake. What snowboarders were the first to pioneer Seagrams? Uh, uh, Sheen, Campus. Two. I mean, what I have here, I don't know if it's Sheen, but what I have, and this is from Mikey Rents and Chris Raz, or who I leaned on for these, uh, Lucas Huffman and crew. I don't know if that would include. That is, that is Sheen. That's okay. his crew. All right. Okay. Sorry. That's a win. Sorry. Yeah, Can you I, hit me with the wind noise? You know, I'm going to do one because <laughs> I hit you with the buzz, buzzer. So I'll, I'm actually going to fucking nice take one, Chris. One I'll take it, too. Oh. oh, good. Oh, God. All right. Nice. Oh, good batch. Jesus. We've been doing eye hits, too, if you're interested. I can show you Okay. That. Not for listeners, though. <laughs> Who, I like yeah, it. Yeah, please. Who switched backside 1080'd perfect jump? Switchback 10 perfect jump, Aeronimala. Oh, that's right. Damn it. Dang. Um, name one of the few people to first hit mother. Mother? Five, four. Rube three, Goldberg and Tyson Carmody. Two. That's correct. Dang, son. Who front Kids 10 on. tail grabbed perfect jump? Five. Perfect four, jump? Three, front 10 tail? Two. Red Gerard? One. Uh, mm. What I have here is <laughs> Kale Stevens. Oh, my God. I can't believe I got that wrong. Yeah, yeah that's assault. not hit good. Assault. Hit, hit assault. Ah, that's a big no. Fresh, no, you yeah. fucked up. You fucked up with that one. <laughs> All right, next question. He also question. front nine tail grab. This is what we call those. Who switchback nine the Lucas step down? Mm, five, four. Switchback nine the three, Lucas step down? He 180s on the way in. It's really sick. You see? Uh, I have John Jackson. Here. Oh, it is John Jackson. Yeah. Oh, I'm such a loser. You still got, we still got more coming. You got to hit another <laughs> salt. <such a> <laughs> They kind of die. You gotta, might have to hit a fresh one for yeah. the next one. The 180 he does before that switchback nine is amazing. It's, it's so really sick. Good. Okay, who pioneered the name Chicken Coop? Five. Chicken Coop? Four. Three. Mikey Renz? That's correct. Two, and part two, Raylan. why yep. is it called the Chicken Coop? Five. Four, I don't know, a place to keep us three. out? <laughs> it's where the roosters go to play. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, give you that one? Yeah. <laughs> I will say that John Jay's front 180 switch backside nine is with a stale. Yeah, that's that's and irrelevant like, to this. Oh, I'm just trying to get back. I'm trying to get some points. You need yeah. a fresh I mean, salt, you're, though. You're I see you holding yeah, a, you need a fresh a salt. doused one. You need a fresh We're trying up. to make these rapid fire here, <laughs> Jody. We yeah. We're trying to stay on target. All right, this is a good one. Uh, I doubt you'll get this. If you do, I'm be impressed. <laughs> Who's the first person to hit Papa Jordan up Rutherford? Papa Jordan? Three. Up Rutherford? Two. Ejack? Jonathan Moore. Oh, I would have never got Hit that. Hit assault, dude. Neither. What are you doing? Jesus. Okay, he's beefed it. <laughs> that looked like it had some onion to it. Okay, last question. Up face, why are the Sacramento Cliffs called the Sacramento Cliffs? Five, four, three, Courtesy of Mikey Renz's two, question. One. <laughs> I like not even trying. Doesn't even submit straight to salt. You got to respect that. Yeah. Uh, the answer is because they're north of the Hollywood Cliffs. That's a, that's a little fun fact I learned mm. today. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah. That's I didn't know that. When you're with the man boys out there, you can say, you know what? These country country. I, I feel like I got like, ha- uh, that's bad. You did pretty good. You did pretty good. That was a lot. That was We've a pretty worse. stacked list. I think that John Jay's, I'm really mad I didn't get. And then Kale's, I'm Kale's, the most mad. Kale's, Kale's is, is bad. Tough. That's an iconic one. But, yeah. but Chris Brown. And the bonus features says that Kale doesn't land that. 
and they're filming him. They're watching the clip. Vitaly's got his computer opening open, and they're watching the footage back play by play. And I forget who's fil- filming overhead with the fisheye. And Browner's like, you didn't land that front 10, Kale. And Kale's like, I fucking landed it. Because he disappears <laughs> in a cloud. But he comes out so fast. He, like, definitely lands it. But Browner's, like, gives Kale pro- – they're, like, brothers. So they give each right. other a hard time 24-7. I like – yeah, that's good. good stuff. I love your snowboard um, nerd knowledge. And I was kind of thinking a fun wormhole to go down. You know, talking about tricks um, – I kind of wanted to maybe tee up some pet peeves. I wonder if you have Ooh, any pet fun. peeves because I can start you it off sure with one that, to maybe get things going that really grinds my gears. What you got about Chris? the backcountry or just tricks in general? I was just thinking about tricks, right? I was like, this this guy loves talking about snowboarding, loves talking about tricks, and one that get, grinds my gears is like when you see somebody do a back one eighty onto a handrail, but they put it on like front board fakie and they kind of slither it around like the the back one that's like it's like a front board slide to back one. Team Slytherin. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of the Slither. Yeah, um, I would say that's the worst. And that's about <laughs> it right there. Yeah, you did a front board to quick 50. It's like, what? <laughs> like, that is the worst trick you can do. Do well, you know who's do got a good back three, 180? Front threes or on or cab threes, people do it too. But yeah. I'm going to shout out Will Levine. He's got a savage back oh, 180 yeah, he switch 50-50. Yeah. Like, when he hops on, it is no pivot. It's like, and then Clack. there's... Obviously, there's like some people that are just like like if Jed did it, he does the hook in the inside of the rail and then get on top, yep. which I think is the most pro and accurate way to yep. to do them. But I like when people do the savage just back one eighty yeah, switch they just fitty land on top of the thing. <laughs> yep, like OG Jordan Mendenhall and burning bridges. Yes, just like but it's all- why I don't do them because that. <laughs> That butter in is terrifying, and I don't like the look, and then that slap on is even more terrifying, and you just have to be deadly accurate. I'm going to go best back one in the game, Dominic Wagner. Mm. Homie's, he's he's kind of like got some heavy ones. Yeah, I don't know that I could argue that. Um, Lane Treater's got, I think, a really good one. J-Mo's got a pretty insane one. He's done some heavy ones. Hasn't yeah. Sexton back when he did onto some crazy oh, kings? Yeah. He has. Yeah. He has. Yeah, he's got a good – this is pretty proper, too. Sex, up. Sexton we, got it from the best. We got a Patreon question from Lane Knack. Why don't you fire that up? Oh, so. damn. All right, Lane wants to know, how do you feel about somebody using a song for their video part that has already been used? Mm. I'm going to say massive no-no. Massive. It gets even more massive depending on the scale of the rider. Um, when you intertwine skateboarding, it depends on how much of a skateboarder you are for it to be a no-no. If you don't mm. skate at all, you could do it because it's just like you're not part of that club. But if you're part of that club and you're using like a Tom Penny song, like maybe not the best look. But here's the problem with it. There's so many videos now, so many, that doing your homework and knowing it, you almost need an app to come out to tell you what songs have been used. Someone should do that, because I feel like... A very not profitable app. No, Mm -hmm. not at all. But, like, (laughs) I feel like if you use somebody's part song, it's a no-no. If you don't know, then... You didn't know, but it's still kind of a fuck. What do you guys? Th- I think this is a good. I just think discussion. there's a lot of people involved usually, and so between it can happen. I mean, who does a video part all on their all on their own? Like no one, even if they do just about everything—the snowboarding, the editing—someone's filming them most of the time. I don't know. Here, here's my take. I think if the video comes out the same year and two people have the same song, that's 
you you didn't know they're both in the editing bay at the same time. That's something that doesn't matter because they both use the same song. It's just coincidence. That's a pass, right? But then, uh, well, I mean, you, you're not. There's no well, way to know. know. There's no way to. You're editing at the same time. I think that's like that's not ignorance. That's just coincidence. Then when I think about with videos, right? Like, you, we've all got. We all know somebody that's a nerd. Like, if I'm gonna put a video part out, I don't know about a song. I'm gonna hit up Meyer. I'm gonna hit up. Stevens, I'm gonna be like, hey, do you do you recognize the song for any videos? And if Stevens hasn't heard it, I'm I know I'm in the clear. Call mm -hmm. a nerd. Like mm -hmm. I would say it's a call a nerd scenario. Call you a know? nerd. That is great advice. Like you wouldn't want to use Mazzy Star and just be like, oh, like did Jed use this? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, somebody used, I forget which video it was. Like, I'm not gonna throw anyone under the bus. Somebody reused an iconic Luif part and it, uh song, and I was like, man. It's like, I can't like this. Yeah. I can't like it. What about ABDs? Uh, like, uh, let's talk about streets. Already been done streets, tricks. Like, tricks that people have already done on a handrail, and you go five years later and do the same trick. Where are we at with that? Street specific. I feel like there's people could argue both sides. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say in the streets, I just want to see new tricks on new spots. And, uh, and on, like, if you... Like if you go to the red ledge, which is now gray in Quebec, and you go front two seven two seventy it, it's like, dude, leave that to Keegan. Like just just leave it alone. Never do that again. I don't want to see you ever. I don't want to see anyone do that. Well, speaking of rev red ledge, that's coincidental because I've done. I have been a culprit of an ABD. Right, I went to red ledge and I did a line where I did like a back one eighty butter, and then I switched back one eighty onto gray ledge. It was gray at the time, and I was like, I thought that trick was open for business. Didn't do my homework. Turns out, I think Lane Treater had done it, which to me, you know what my take is? I, shots, like I should be getting attacked. Like I, I will I will take accountability on that and say, I fucked up. I fucked up. You guys want to you guys want to light me up? You should. That That's my take as in the streets. I should have known. That's my take. But what about the backcountry? Well, backcountry is so difficult because it costs so much to be out there. You, if you're getting paid, especially to be a backcountry rider, if you see that there's clouds all over, you know, northeast and stuff, and you're like, oh, well, we're here and it's sunny, and then the only, and there's good snow here and there's bad snow over there and there's no sun, so like this feature works, and then you're like, oh, okay, like you build it and then you do your homework and then you realize that every trick that you could pretty much do has been done on it. I would like to see people push for different tricks and at least if you're going to do a backside seven or a frontside seven add your own flavor as much as you can whatever that may be and just try not to do a stock cab five like really basic with no extra cool poke or film it differently or something and try to get as creative as possible ideally you do a new trick on it but i understand that sometimes on those more you could say meaningless spots like there's a lot of jumps that are just like, yeah, that's a jump. But like, I get it. Everyone's going to hit that. You got to work with what you got to work with. But like on iconic features, there's a certain, you know, like perfect jump, for example, we brought uh, Sean Miskam in there and I was like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to front three. And I'm like, well, that's probably been done a hundred times on this by people who did it and then didn't use it because it's, he's like, I'm just going to go big. And I was like, yeah, go big and do your own flavor. And that's exactly what he d did. And like that clip worked. Mm -hmm. It's like he did a front three. He opened it up. He did this crazy little pause and the shifty and tweaked it the way. He, and it's like, okay, cool. Like backside seven mute. If you do it like stock and basic 
and you don't pull that amp two trigger and get that tweak going, it's like everybody's got a different tweak. So I'm kind of open to the do the same trick on the same spot if you can add your own flavor to it. If you can't, leave it alone. And if it's a feature like the mother and you actually want to impress people, bring your own trick, like a new a new trick. Like don't go and back 270 onto the rail that Jeremy back 270 don't do. You know what I mean? And you can do that, and it could still be a sick back 270, but in order for you to like get the shine you want on a trick that's maybe that hard, you would want to just do a new trick rather than do an old one. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that take. Yeah, I agree. I think, and just the the way it's used too. Like I can let tricks on the same, the same trick on the same thing just cruise in a part when it's put in the right way. There's not a ton of like build up to it. It's it feeds in one shot to another, maybe maybe, and like you said, it's filmed a little bit different, and it's a same old trick that someone's done. And if it's almost if you're that common with it, it can kind of work. It's when you're trying to be like, you know, I stepped up the spot by even just tweaking the same trick. Like you kind of want, like you still can't really call it out. You just tweak the same trick. You still need to kind of tuck it in and. Use it as switch the grabs up too. That's yeah, I think that's up. like to me. If you look at somebody goes to, I like your take. I, I look. I like like the Hollywood high analogy, right? Where it's like if you're going to go to an iconic jump like Chad's Gap, or you know the Forum Step Down, like that. There's a catalog of of tricks that are notable on those. It's where people go to make their mark. And I think <sighs> I think mm-hmm. that the one the jumps that people go to make their marks don't do ABDs. You know, make your mark on it. You know. But if you're just going to some standard issue roller that everybody's hit a million times, somebody has done a back rodeo seven indie, and you do a backside rodeo seven nose, whew, I'm good with that. I think that's all good. Also depends yeah. on like how do you how do you want your part to play? Like if you go to the forum step down and do a back ten tail and don't know JP back ten tailed that, you A, you should know that. And if you don't and you did that, it's like eh, well, you screwed up. Like you said, shots fired, lane, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I would, I would try to just leave tricks that have been done. If you know that it's been done, definitely try not to do it. And especially if you want your video part to stand out. Like, if you want your part to stand out, do tricks that people haven't seen before because that's exciting. You know. Yeah. They Take the harder approach. Out. Yeah. You know, if you're scared to do the front ten, but it hasn't been done, that's exactly the shoes you should probably be in if you want to make a mark. Mm. Speaking of form step down, I heard the man boys fucked with you on the form step down once. Pretty good. Yeah, they did. Like they showed up and they, <laughs> they you told you were a little late and you said that they said tell us th- tell us that uh, whole s- situation. Well, I'm 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 pretty keen to get clips, and I don't like missing out on any good days. You know what I mean? You miss out on a good sled. There's only so many good sled days. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? People don't understand, and hopefully there's a couple team managers and people in places that can maybe start to understand this. It's not like you just go out and then get clips as a backcountry rider. It's like you go out and it got windy and you didn't think it got that windy because the forecast didn't say what it is. And it got windy and all the snow is shit. And now you have to wait for a full new storm to come in or you have to travel and it's expensive. And it's just a, it, it's a whole nother kind of beast out there. What was the question? Warm step down. You got fucked with. Oh yeah. So then like the, the weather was pretty <laughs> shitty. The weather rolled in. That's where I was taking this. And uh, so everything was kind of torched, and it's the end of the year-ish, I believe, and uh, the form step-down is 
high in elevation and it's normally pretty protected so that it, the jump is a go-to for a reason it's perfect it's easy to get to it holds good snow it's like it's typically always good to go and we go there and i just show up late and everyone's at the bottom and they're all like kind of vibing and i'm like oh like fuck like did they already build it am i gonna be allowed to hit it and i pull up and there's a uh, a snowmobile uh, snowboard landing mark like halfway down the landing bolts and i'm like damn like it's built they're up there a couple people are up there i'm like oh my god they someone just clipped up and then i'm like can i hit it and they're like no you showed up late dude like you can't and there's maybe there's even more than one landing mark and all they did is like they didn't actually hit the feature they rode they traversed down and aired off the backside of the the roll a couple times so there's these perfect land it's like whoever was hitting that was going the biggest ever on it but every <laughs> landing mark is perfect so they're all like yeah we all clipped up and i'm like fuck like can i go up and hit it they're like nah instead like i don't know i think i was like my second year filming for them so they're always like playing with me and giving me a hard time and you know so just good. like as like older mentors do and i, I kind of mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. rapport i kind of like like being out there you know slowly like being like oh like i i, I deserve to be here now you know what mm-hmm. i mean and also respect on the fact that like we're gonna fuck with jody and we're gonna put four stripes down the landing like we just did some buck moves on form step down just, yeah totally. just to take the time to fuck with you that's the thing amazing. yeah taking that time to your point like there's not much time out there <laughs> yeah. as it is and to spend that time to like do that that's that just shows that like how bad the conditions that. must have been well like, it must have been bad that's canadian style too like it it's not easy to learn up there like you learn fast and furious you know they they throw you in even the mentors and they kind of it's a little more of a beat down learn. It's rougher. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Dragon, the Dragon Alliance. They make some killer goggles with a killer team. They got Danny Davis with his signature collection. He's got a clean-looking collection. They got Gigi Ruff, Brian Noguchi, Leanne Pelosi. They got Kimmy Fasani, Brock Crouch on there. I see Blake Paul running the goggles. I see Big Air Jair running them. Spencer Schubert. So uh, killer team doing cool stuff in snowboarding. And if you're looking to pick up some new goggles, they are celebrating their 30th anniversary. They just released a new goggle called the NFX Mag. It's packed with next level features like proprietary Luma Lens color optimizing lens technology and Swift Lock Magnetics lens changing system. Everybody loves the magnetic lenses, easy to switch out. They got armored venting, OTG compatibility infrared radiation lens options and everybody loves bonus lenses they got bonus lenses so check out the nfx mag like in all styles it provides riders with high-end technology at a price you need so head on over to dragonalliance.com and if you use promo code bombhole 20 you will save 20 percent off your total purchase valid through december 31st with the exception of their black friday and holiday site-wide sale again that's dragonalliance.com use promo code bombhole 20 for 20% off. All right, we're going to talk to you guys about union bindings. Now, I run the union forces. I got them behind me on the set here. Actually, I run the force classics. That's my go-to. That's like one of the longest bindings in the line. It's got a clean look to it. I ride it. I trust it. And even before I got union bindings for free, that was going to be the binding I always wanted when I rode for other brands. It's got a smooth ratchet. It's got a clean look. It's perfect for all types of snowboarding, whether you want to fly off a 90-foot cheese wedge or you want to nose press a picnic table. 
It's got a nice kind of medium, middle-of-the-road flex, not too stiff, which is what I like about it. It's been in the collection for almost 20 years. It's trusted by more professional snowboarders than any binding on the market. Designed, engineered, and tested in Italy, and it's backed by a lifetime warranty on the base plates and the heel clips. It's always available at unionbindingcompany.com or your local retailer. So check them out if you're interested in getting yourself a pair of bindings. Yeah, how is I your like learning it. curve going from uh, park guy to getting on a snowmobile and heading out there? Well, it wasn't great. If I, <laughs> if I'm being honest, the first time <laughs> I ever actually went snowmobiling, I borrowed Devin's sled because I was on DC at the time, and Devin's like, "Oh, I got an extra sled. You can take it." So I took it up, went up north with uh, Rick Johnson, legendary filmer, uh, Andrew Jeeves, and Kevin Griffin, and uh, maybe Colin a day or two, and we. Went sledding in Braylorn, which is like pillow kind of haven. Like, it's awesome. The Yes crew always goes up there. And I was all so, so psyched. And we're on this like little trail. And I'm like, I'm in the backcountry. Like, this is crazy. I'm, I have my GoPro on my helmet because I'm excited to just show my mom the day. And uh, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't realize that like we weren't in the backcountry yet. We were actually just like on a trail that's like, this isn't sledding yet. So eventually the trail ends. And then you have to go into a valley or like what it, I think it was just a lake. Like it is an open lake and, but there's no uh, sled tracks. So I have to actually like counter steer and like make it across this lake. And it's like, all I had to do was gas and keep my balance straight. But like when you don't know how to sled, that still is kind of hard. And you don't really understand that if you want to go left or you want to go right, you have to steer the opposite direction. And there was one fucking tree in the middle of that lake. And I (laughs) drove straight into it. And destroyed Devin Walsh's sled. It's a great start. And it's all <laughs> on film because I take my go- my helmet off, and I didn't mean to, but I point the the GoPro angle just ends up pointing directly at me, and it shows it all. And I'm like, I think I might have cried. I'm not a crier, everybody. It's just I think that I freaked out so much. It wasn't even a cry. It was like a Pat Moore kind of explosion of anger because I'm like, I just ruined Devin Walsh's sled. Apparently, I don't know how to snowmobile. We have so much further to get to the to the zone. What am I going to do? I just filmed it all. I just filmed it all. What a nightmare. <laughs> and we actually ended up taking up the like busted up sled, and they doubled me up, and we actually got a bunch of good shots. And to answer your question about like how was my first kind of couple years out there, the beginning of backcountry, it was a headache. It was hard work. It was exhausting. It was frustrating, and it was the best thing I've ever decided to do with my life because being in the mountains with your best friends and snowboarding as a professional, like, aside, just having this tool and being born in a time frame in human history where I have the ability to go on a snowmobile and hovercraft around on these mountain peaks with my best friends. I was like, what? If I work hard enough, I can buy, like, this tool? And it's, like, the coolest thing I've ever been a part of and i also had crazy good mentors at the beginning kale stevens Mm. i wrote for endeavor for a short bit and kale took me under his wing with like griff and being out there with kale is like the best like i've looked up to him since i was a kid he's always had like this big bald personality and you go out there with him and he's i don't know he's like the funnest person to be around with ever and then i i just i was in fortunate uh positions because before i dove into the backcountry i filmed for eight mile which is Mikey Rentz's company um, with Johnny Lyle and Aeronimala and Ika and like all these backcountry figures. And so I kind of got taken under their wing a bit. And so I always had like some cool people that were like down to go sledding with me. Like 
There was like an early day. I went out with like Devin Walsh and Dustin Craven. I didn't even hit the jump. I just watched them build a step down and like Ryan Teeny was riding this line and they're like, you can come tomorrow. Like, like kind of like little Grom style. And it's like, I sucked at sledding, but like, you know yeah, how it is. Kind of like, like we've all been, or us three have been in those shoes. It's like, you know, you sink or swim, you know, you just yeah. figure it out. And when they see you really struggling, obviously everybody is like nice to a certain extent, but like, you know, you keep getting stuck. It's like, you're going to stop getting really stuck because you're going to figure out how to not get stuck because you realize everybody who slowly turns their head on the trail and looks at you like, oh, you're stuck again, eh? Like, we haven't made it too far. You should figure that out, kid. And I'm like, i got to figure that out. Like, what, what, <laughs> I will use every fiber of my being to not get stuck again. Like, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. You have, a, you have a good, like, programming view of everything. Like, you... How did you know to come in and you you described it earlier as that Whistler formula? Like there's a formula there. If you show up and you're a kid, you move through this process. Boom, 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 boom. Like that's pretty calculated, really. Like even wanting to be a snowboarder, I didn't look at it like that. It was a different approach. And obviously that program was more like put in play by the time you were you were seeing it. But it's still impressive to kind of extract that from what you're seeing and program it well you came up with the recipe i just followed it like you guys rode street rails then you guys you know did some park stuff you know nixon jib fest and all that stuff and then you guys also like rode legit street rails and then you guys rode the backcountry and there was always some park shit i'm like okay so like how do i how do i just do that because i want to look like the people on my like that i had on my wall i want to look like those posters how did you start to learn to recognize that opportunity when it was sitting there? I mean, you described a few of them, like at Super Park and the people around you. Like, I was bad. I was really bad at opportunity. If I look back now, like Kuzik, like moved to Vancouver and started going to the states and going to like he got on Ashbury and started doing like demos in at like Bear and stuff. And I was on Electric at the time, and Kyle. Shout out to Kyle. He was the best. Um, Kyle would be like, dude, come to Bear. Like, come ride with, like, Bradshaw and Magoon or, like, whatever. Like, and he was down to, like, pay for trip. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm I'm in Whistler, dude. It's, like, the sickest park. And, like, Mikey Rents is here. And, like, all my favorite snowboarders. I don't got to go anywhere. Like, all I'm going to do is smoke dope all day and do nothing. And it's like, then one day I realized, like, this is the bubble for a reason. Like, mm. and then I saw Jake just on the come up. Like, mind you, Jake was way more talented than I was but like he his approach was just like how you you make it you know what I mean like he he's because he understood the formula of skateboarding from such a young age he brought that same look into snowboarding and snowboarding since it for the most part and the people he was inspired by copied skateboarding he had the recipe kind of like dialed and I didn't really realize how important it was to intertwine with other communities and I would only go to like Super Park, but then I'd hang out with my crew and then like, you know, leave and not really meet anybody or do anything. And it was until I was like older where I was like, oh, like actually like meeting some of these people is a really part, a really important part of a successful snowboard career. And also these other individuals that snowboard aren't spooky, aren't weird, are no different than all the people in Whistler. And a lot of them are amazing. Mm. And like, it doesn't suck to leave Whistler and go on a trip to bear and ride with a bunch of people from bear. Cause they're awesome. And then like once, like I started 
getting out of the the sandbox chapter and filming for like I think DeBolts was like a big like there was dope and then later on there was DeBolts and we went to like Bear Mountain together and like I started like intertwining with different crews and meeting like all these like like dead lung and all these people and I'm like well the, the other snowboard community that's not far away like these people rule and being a part of that is like where like thing like where the engine is moving is actually like really beneficial to uh, a successful snowboard career which I want to have and I need to realize that like sitting in Whistler and riding park jumps and only hanging out with like my small group of friends is not how to have a professional snowboard career. And I realized that kind of late. Like I wish I would have realized that earlier on, but I think there was a part of me that like the people that I looked up to kind of thought the same way. Like, nah, like we don't leave. Like this is the shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know? And so then you start to believe it, but then when you're not getting any results and you're doing the same thing year after year, beating your head, being like, why is nothing changing? And well, so the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And that's exactly like I was a product of what I was doing. And I was like, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. And I just like needed to change all that. And I started to do that when I was like 24, mm. which is pretty late. It's it's really interesting to hear you talk about this stuff too, because there's so many Canadian snowboarders that are just fucking unbelievable that I don't think they've gotten the shine they deserve. Maybe take like people like E-Man and stuff like that. Like your mm-hmm. guys' crew, just un- unbelievably good snowboarders and have done great things, but maybe didn't get rewarded the way they could have do you i mean it sounds like you just elaborated on like it's coming to the states and things like that is it do you feel like it's harder for canadian snowboarders and is that your advice for canadian snowboarders that want to make it that is definitely my advice for canadian snowboarders who want to make it it's like intertwine yourself with the crew with the crew with the crew the greater crew is like everywhere like go to europe and meet some people there's awesome people in europe meet the people at method meg Come down to the States and hang out and meet people at Torment and Slush. Like, if you want to be in those communities and you're like, oh, I still didn't get a photo in Torment. It's like, maybe eat, meet like Ian and John. Maybe come down here and meet Pat Bridges and you and the crew here. And don't expect anything. Like, a big part of it is like, don't do anything expecting a result from it. Do it because it's a fun part of like the life's journey. And if there, if things unfold from that, great. If they don't, well, that that is what it is too. Like maybe you will come to the states and ride at, you know, one of these parks and have a great year here, and then nothing will unfold. Well, you should just be grateful that you got to come here and ride a park. But there is probably slightly better chance that things will happen a little quicker if you're where companies are, you know, more present and more located. And Salt Lake, now that I've been here, it's like if you ride for vans and you genuinely think like you're like the next kid and you're 18 and you live in a small city and you're like, I'm really good. I would consider coming here and riding for a couple weeks and saying, what's up. And like, don't have like a moochy kind of shitty approach. Like be chill, have good manners. Good manners go a long way, Mm. you know, just like chill manners. And like, if you're really good at snowboarding, let like, this is as old as time, but like, let your riding speak for itself, go show up. And if you're the next kid in the park, that's sick. Like you'll get your shine. Just, keep working at it but like if you're working at it in a place where no one can see it like the tree in the woods i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it i'm gonna use the analogy if the tree falls in the woods it does it it's like if you back lift a kink and nobody saw it did it happen you know what i mean like go tee it up <laughs> come down for me go go go, <laughs> go poach the bomb hole event that they do if even if you're not invited and gap back 270 onto the kink and do it absolutely perfect and justin meyer was filming fisheye that day and he's like 
who the hell was that kid? And he's like, oh, it's some little kid from Winnipeg who showed up and snaked everybody. And, dra-. and you're like, that was dope. Like, make it happen. Yeah. Great advice. I love it. Great advice. Just don't just don't drop in during the mandatory 900 section when we open the jump and don't do a fucking 900. That's the only thing that gets me. Do a 540 during the mandatory 900 section. That's a, every time. Don't do that. Then you then you will just shoot yourself in the foot. You'll get banned from the contest. But Snake can do it back too. We love that. Can I add one thing there though? Yeah. One thing I will add is like I think a lot of people have this feeling where they're abandoning their crew. You know, like you mm. start getting a little shine and your crew doesn't. And then, like, like I'm, I'm looking, for example, like Marty. Marty Vachon, who lives, he filmed for Mountain Mountain. Like, he's an incredible snowboarder. He came to a couple events down here recently and, like, Cab 270, the biggest kink. Ever. That kid is such a boss. He's and, a like, he is. his friends do a really good job of, like, giving him a hard time for it, but in a way that's really supportive. And it's really nice to see that because it's, like, you want your homie to succeed. You know what I mean? If they're getting an opportunity, let them take that opportunity and see where it leads. Like... Don't, like, give them a hard time and be like, you're bailing on the crew and, like, you should... It's like, there's a way to come back and, like, like, I think Finn and JJ are a great example of, like, from SRD. Like, they do a great job from... They give back to their local community as much as they can, but they both realize and, like, want to succeed as much as they can in their crafts, whether that's filming, photography, or snowboarding. They're, like, kind of a multifaceted little brand they are there, like, with doing rad events and stuff like that. And I don't think that, like, you can give back to your community while still taking a shot at, like, your dreams and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And your crew should be supportive, supportive of that, I think. That's I good totally stuff. I agree. We had a guest question from Kuzik. You might have already kind of covered it, but let's hit it anyway. We want to get Kuzik in here. Hey, Bumhole. This is Jake Kuzik. Uh, Jody. I wanted to know, I was kind of thinking about it, like uh, at the time when we both moved to Whistler, which I think was like 2010 or a little bit sooner, um, it was definitely like pretty popping. Like there was a lot of pros that lived there and it was like definitely a very formidable time for you and I and our snowboarding and the people, um, you know, that we were excited about. Like I remember, you know, you'd go to the bar and like whatever, it would be like forum team is there and all these people like constantly traveling through and and whatever so i want to hear like what is kind of like a, a a significant memory from that time as far as like meeting maybe someone you really looked up to or inspired you um when we were 18 years old and uh just living in whistler for the first time all right bye guys love you oh that's a always great to hear from you jake thanks for the question um i did touch base earlier on like you know the Wildcats kind of crew, um, that whole genre form crew, like everybody who was kind of like hanging out with that. But a big one for me because they weren't from Whistler was um, Jordan Mendenhall and Daryl Mathis came mm-hmm. to town. And Daryl will never remember this, but uh, he was in town. I don't know why he was even in town. And he was at the place called the... I'll never forget this because I was a kid. It was the first time I saw Daryl Mathis. I idolized Daryl. Love, hate, like, sickest shit ever. Shout out to Daryl Mathis, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and Howl Gloves. Um, And he was just sitting there, just being cooler than ever, just being Daryl, you know, just sitting there looking cool. Was he swirling wine or was he... He was drinking a coffee and he was wearing a leather jacket. And it was... He had, like, the... Kind of the greaser kind of look going on. Mm -hmm. And he was 
I'm a, I think he was like just sitting cross-legged, cup of coffee, hair was flicked, sitting with Mendenhall, and I don't know what they were doing in town, but my friend somehow knew Jordan to some extent, Chris, and so they were talking, so I got to like hang out with them. And I'll just, I'll, for me, it's like, it's a small memory, but I was like, oh, I'll never forget this. Like, this is so cool that I moved to this place and like, it's happening here. It was kind of like what you what we were talking about earlier. Like, you leave Winnipeg, you come to Whistler, you're like, shit's happening here. Like, this is actually, like, really cool. And, like, everything that I was inspired by is in this location. And then you find about this other location, like, you know, the States. It was kind of Tahoe when I first moved to Whistler, but then it kind of generated to, to Salt Lake. But, like, then you're like, oh, there's another location where shit's equally popping off, and there's awesome people there, too, that you can get inspired by. And when you're, like, a 17-year-old kid, which I was, it's like – all you're looking for is to get inspired by people. Like you're kind of like, you're just figuring out you're a blank canvas, just absorbing things. So like, I didn't know what I wanted to do or who I was or whatever, but like, I'm slowly like realizing when I look back on how important these, like, like just meeting Daryl was to like the whole like unfolding of like where I am now. It's just like seeing your dreams as a reality in front of you, like, and seeing it firsthand and seeing Jordan Mendenhall the next day ride in this pipe contest and seeing it like, oh, oh, he's real. And Travis Williams is there. And it's like all these pros that I looked up to. And I'm like, this is so cool. Like why, if you are 17, why not attend a bomb hole cup and just watch in the crowd and like give somebody like give Tommy Gesby some knuckles and be like, that was sick. Like I went to camp of champions and JP Walker was showed up for one day and JP passed me the mustard. That's the end of that story. <laughs> I went home to Winnipeg. They were like, what? I was like, I went to Camp of Champions. They're like, we heard, because I won uh, the Youngbloods there. So like Duff C gave me his helmet and Peter gave me his board and like I got all decked out in form stuff. That was second. It was like, I was like, guys, JP Walker passed me the mustard. Everybody who knows that's listening to this that knows me, it's my favorite condiment. And I was like, so juiced. Uh, like, to this day, I'm like, JP passed me the mustard. That's a stat. <laughs> like, as a kid, that's like, those things mean so much to you. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So gangster. And that's just to highlight your passion for snowboarding and appreciating that is perfect why you should be having a podcast talking about snowboarding. Because we need people like you that love snowboarding to carry the torch for snowboarding. So it's just thank you. Now... Earlier, you mentioned that you are, uh, I think you used the word amped to tweak button. Uh, so just for people that are unfamiliar with your snowboarding and anybody that knows, you're, you're, the word that comes up when we talk about your snowboard is style, right? When you think about style, a lot of people can go to a jump and do a front five. Some people might, you know, grab indie. Some people might grab mute. Some people might grab, and they're all going to look different. But you have really refined your pokes on your grabs. Like if you're going to grab, I, I, always, I call it sad air, but you, you have like the whole, you grab it, you yoink it, you poke it, and then you set it down. Where did you get that uh, inspiration and, you know, style of riding from? What inspired that? The yoink particularly. The yoink particularly. Well, I've, I think it's... I'm going to say, okay, so Nicholas Mueller, huge, huge. I love Nicholas's snowboarding. Uh, Mickle Bang was big because he's like, oh, you're like kind of the same age as me, but like you do everything like way better than me. So I kind of want to look, want to look like you. <laughs> and then 
Mark Frank. I wanted to have like a little bit of the float, the Devin and Mark Frank float. I wanted to incorporate that with like Nicholas Mueller and Mickle. But then I wanted to be comfortable enough like opening up and adding, like if I flail, it's okay, like Danny Cass. Because I feel like Danny wasn't like perfect, but like his flavor was so like, I just always loved Danny's flavor that he would add. Like if he did a back three on like a giant pillow gap and he opened up a little early, I was still like, that was fucking awesome. So I think like those kind of like four or five riders, I was just like, that's who I tried to embody throughout like my career kind of. And what about when you show up to a jump, you got, you got an arsenal of tricks you can do, but it seems like you just choose the ones that look good on the cheese wedge. I mean, a big, like Devin, Mark, like I never felt like a lot of my favorite snowboarders tried to like from, and this is a really weird thing about me. It wasn't like once I figured out the importance of simplicity and basic tricks and why they look so good. It was like what I, really early on, like skateboarding when skating was my whole life. It was just like, I didn't like the crazy shit. Like this is going to sound crazy, but the three flip wasn't the cool thing for me at the park. I would watch this guy, Matt overall do pop shove that were like six decks high and catch them all. And I was like, I just want, and there's this other guy who had dope ollies where you, the, the back knee tweaks in and his foot is like, flat on the board i'm like i i just want to do that like i just want i just want to pop and do simple things and then once i met like kevin andrew and jake they kind of like seared into my brain that that was a cool thing to do they're like no no like like basic shit is cool and you can you can like stay on that lane there's definitely a chapter there where i explored like getting really techie you know doing the combos and the switch ups that like every kid kind of goes down that path when they're like 15 and they're doing way too many things. And eventually I was like, I don't really like that. Like I like lip slides. Like I, I'll uh, give a shout outs to bandwagon here. Bandwagon came out and Jeeves showed me that video. And that's all like Lewiff, Alex Canton, Ben Baluck, uh, Max B, that whole crew, big shout outs to them. Um, and they just had this video, a homies video. And it was just like all proper. Like it was just like a lip slide squared up. Back to regular, a back lip in the middle, five zero, not cro- no one eighty out, no three. It was like, and I was like, it just hit with me. I was like, I wanted to do, do that. Then like love hate came out, and like this is mind you, like Jeremy and JP and them were are like already like ingrained the the fundamentals. But then I, now I'm like a kid and I'm like kind of lost in this world, and I'm like, okay, like love hate came out. My older figures told, like, this is the best video ever. Consume this every day and never watch it. Like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to snowboarding. And I was like, I watched it a bazillion times. And I was just like, okay, like, there's, like, flavor. Like, which I never really understood when you're a kid. Like, why a back lip and why a back, to play devil's advocate to what I was saying about bandwagon, like, it's why a back lip and a back lip scrape to fakie can equally look dope. You know, if someone goes through a big kink and they have to put it to fakie, I'm kind of like, fuck, that was so mm-hmm. sick, though. Like, For sure. survival. But, like, Renzi is actually really good at that, too. Like, Mikey has this front five on this, like, quarter pipey thing. So big. He let, lets go just after the three kind of opens up. It's not like a flail, but it's, like, got some flavor flail, you know? And I, I kind of like that. Like, if you're maxing out a jump or something, you got to, like, I heard you s- yourself, uh, Jeremy, give yourself a hard time on that, uh, that trick, that back nine on that hip mm-hmm. when you're on forum or whatever, mm-hmm. and you were like, ah, I kind of opened up. The shirt was off, so it made it made the shot. But like, you know, I was kind of like bummed that that clip made it in there because like my ste wasn't. I liked that extra flail. You know what I mean? 
And I think that like Danny being my favorite snowboarder and like those old grenade videos, I like really liked that like, you know, he'd come around on a switchback rodeo five or seven and kind of flail. And I was like, I don't give a fuck like to this song and everything like that. That was amazing. Or Whitlake was a huge. Yeah. Anyways, I'm kind of nerding out a well, little hard. No, I like the nerd <laughs> though. Cause it, it, it's important, an important thing to note because it's a quality in a snowboarder that I envy because if you, if you can come out of something, you're recognizing that it's a little early. You're recognizing that you still have time to kind of fill, whether it's a drop or whether it's the quickness of a rail trick or something like you got to now get to the end things haven't started totally right, you know, and then, but you can kind of keep it together enough inside the fight to like keep things semi-proper. I just, it, when things went sideways, I was like, okay, just hold, just hold the style because you just need to have some steed till you hit the ground, even if it's not right. And so like that fight, I've always appreciated like that's something that I had to learn because and I think it's sick to your point like I back that I love it so thanks for the affirmation on the quarter pipe too because that great it does make me like it a little bit more to to bring it back full circle to the Keegan red ledge clip it's the most not perfect perfect clip ever yeah Mm. it's like so many people could front Mm. 270 onto that maybe from a more technical standpoint more perfectly but like that flavor, if you don't see the flavor and why that clip is so beautiful, it's like you just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the ice block Great at the point. snow hill. I always use this analogy: is like some people see an ice block and there's a stupid ice block, or like you know, it's just nothing. And to me, I'm like, there's an ice block. There's so many possibilities for this ice block. Yeah. Like right. you either see the ice block or you don't. Totally. And I I think also it's important because what you're get what we're getting into is like the deep nerdage of deep like hyper analytical spent your whole life watching snowboard video nerd talk which is fucking awesome and it's not it's also not a cop out to do things horribly right because there's there's also that like like i i've done stuff and i've been like <laughs> I, I like the hand drag i like it no, can we use it and you're like no dude it's actually horrible you're just trying to convince <laughs> yourself that it's okay but then there's the intricacies of like like take for example your love hate buff right i always love four gashes backlip fakie he does on that rail mm-hmm. right why, so why is it amazing he puts it in he's holding it to regular he's holding it to regular and then he goes to fakie but it's like it's not like he put in a backlip to fakie and was just like out of control going down the rail the whole time it was controlled got a little hectic saved it and it was great and and it, and like a backlip to fakie where you put it in look like you're going to regular and then you decide to go to fakie at the end i'm good with yeah but you know if you put it in and you're just like it's like a, a huck and hope pray scenario that that ain't going to make it, you know? So we're getting into like the, the intricacies of what gives something flavor, which is intangible. You just have to study snowboard videos your whole life and decide what you like and don't like. I think, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think you nailed it there. Hit the nail on the head there a hundred percent. And yeah. it's even like, I always think about certain things like, uh, tricks, right? Even, even there's like off limits tricks. Like, let's say, like a front three mute to me. Like a front three mute oftentimes looks like horrendous. But I see like Red Gerard did a front three mute the other day and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That was awesome. You know? Yeah. So I don't think it's so it's not like black and white in terms of what tricks are cool and what tricks aren't. I think anything can be done in a way that works. Or do you have illegal tricks? No, I was just thinking because we were talking about tricks done. Mm-hmm. We oh, fuck. Uh Robbie Walker. 
Yep. Um, his part in one of the People movies, Rusty sent that to me because I was talking about the the mother feature. Yep. It's kind of a little bit off topic. But like, Robbie does a frontside seven tail and a front ten tail on that mm-hmm. in like 2000 and whatever, 14 or whatever. I didn't even realize that Red Gerard did a front seven tail. And I was like, I was like, oh, it's the same trick. Red just didn't know probably. Mm-hmm. On like an iconic. iconic like Like yeah. you're talking about like one of the like, like mother... Perfect jump and yeah. form step down, like for Whistler and the Hurley Road Gap are probably like, yeah, and uh, yeah, are like some of the most iconic features. So I was like, kind of like, damn, you just brought up the red thing. So then it popped out. Not take a shot of red because red is, red I red. love red snowboarding. I love what that crew was doing with snowboarding right now, just to stray over there because that's where my thoughts just went. But like, holy shit, like red, Ben Ferg, Mickle, like they are bringing a whole new chapter to the mountains. It's fucking sick. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Their yeah. awareness just on a whole nother level. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Andy Forgash's backlip fakie is awesome, though. I'm glad. Good, good yeah. pick. I like the, I mean, the, there's something in that, and it made me think, like, the most, some of my most hated tricks in time, over time, that I just never wanted to see anyone do, it always seems eventually somebody ends up doing it and making it cool. And I'm like, Really? And and it's there's a process to kind of accepting that a little bit. It's like okay, that can't hate on that. Like that happened, and it's kind of dope. And so now you're you kind of play with it. And I don't always end up trying those tricks still, but you the acceptance and like respect for it, I think, lands even harder because you're like, dang, dude, you just kind of did the impossible. Imagine seeing Jeremy fucking Jones do a fifty fifty swivel, fifty fifty swivel, three sixty. I, everything I knew in life would be scrapped. I would like be like, I don't even know where. You'd be like, like, wait a second, swivels <laughs> are back. Um, like yeah. that's the one trick that forever for me doesn't matter who, how. I, I will never like like a pivoty trick. I don't even mind switch ups that. if it's like mid to mid. You know, and yep. if you do tail slide and then hop and then you're back to front board like proper. Like there are some people that can make like I've seen Bradshaw do that on a flat box at Bear, and I'm like all day. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I've seen some proper change ups. You know what trick gets a, lo- a lot of heat uh, is like the the half cab fifty front three. Rightfully so, that one's mm. tough to pull off. You need a really good spot, or you have to have the best kit on the best spot, filmed proper. Like that's a tough one. Mm. I don't like that one. You know then, I, but then I think like Ozzy Henning does a fifty front three in a project with Bodie a few years ago and he like pokes it out off this parking garage and he kicks his leg in front of him and you're like fuck you can do it and make it look good yeah, it's I all mean, how it's, it's all, done you it's know? all how it's done it really is his back one switch 50 50 front board 270 thing oh god like yeah. like do i like that trick if he was at the spot and he was going to tell me he's going to do that trick i'd be like don't do it don't battle for it it's not worth it it's going to look mm-hmm. dumb just back 180 switch 50 that clip is awesome Mm-hmm. So it's it's the flavor. He just pulls it off. Yep. Weren't you there for it? Did you switch back lip that? Bungeed right? him into it. Not that year. I did switch back lip that. But yeah, that Ooh. that that uh, I was I bungeed him into that. But the the thing I was thinking about earlier, you mentioned bandwagon, and we're since we're on trick nerd stuff. Uh, Max B switch back lip three a.m. Young Jeezy. Whew. Max B switch lip slides to switch. In like, if you watch any of my That's parts, dope. I got I do. Eric Christensen kind of did, but more so Max B. Because Eric kind of landed on the foot where Max was a little bit more like lip slide, you know what I mean? And 
I started that trick because of Max Billerjean. I think that's how I, you pronounce his name. I don't know if he boards too much anymore, but like he had like every part. He had like three or four parts in a row, and they were all like teed up. I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. Trick. Those French Canadians trick. are sometimes, they're just, they're a little too proper sometimes. You know, it's got to be so 90 and perfect. Yeah. yeah they need, they actually need a little Keegan sometimes. Oh, yeah. To- totally. There's they, a, there's a whole dance with this conversation <laughs> we're having right now. Like you could lean towards that. Like, Lucas Magoon can ride down a stair set and just lean onto his shoulder, and I'm like, all day. <laughs> like, yeah. Put it in slow-mo, yeah, give him a full section in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, that we didn't touch on Lucas it very much, but like he was a big chapter for me on that when I was on that Tech Nine thing. It was like I was like ultra I was I would get up in the morning, smoke weed, watch Lucas's part, smoke more weed, watch Lucas's part a hundred more times, and then go up the hill and then just try and copy what he was doing. Didn't work out so well for me. You can't <laughs> beat the presentation. It's everything. You know, as you were talking about Jeeves as a kid and how good he was, on the East Coast, our Jeeves was Lucas McGoon. He was the form young blood. He had the dopest kits. He was fucking shit up ever since a kid. So and he had that peak confidence at like age thirteen. So mm. it's always funny to see those like child prodigies that are just like cockier than hell. Maybe mm. they got it together. They went to the form young bloods together and room together and Jeeves yeah. and him like got in a fight. <laughs> yeah. Like when, when they were like thirteen or fourteen, they went down to Big Bear because they both won the Young Bloods and then they went down to the finals. Jeeves has some footage from that. It is so good. I need to dig that up. I actually have his first video part ever on my laptop. I've been waiting to drop it mm. to uh, Diamonds uh, by Kanye West. Wow. Diamonds. Oh, wow. And it's <laughs> so good. Like, Diamonds off him. It's so good. Well, oh. speaking of Diamonds are forever, let's talk about your kits because we, we, there's, there's an evolution. So the first footage I, I uncovered in my archaeology of Jody Wachniak's footage you're wearing tight jeans Ooh. and uh, big sunglasses and a Tech Nine jacket, but you're wearing jeans. In uh, uh, you're wearing jeans, and then it, it then it went full Tech Nine, um, which the fit was unbelievably good. Uh, and then it kind of mellowed out. Can you walk us through the evolution of where you're at with kits? Because now you've kind of come back a little oh, bit more. There was a chapter like the early chapter. Would have the first one would have been uh forum, like forum kit, like just baggy forum special blend stuff. Then I got into like West Beach Planet Earth for a section, second there, and then I got on mission six, did two years on mission six. My kits they were the best kits ever. Mm. It they the outerwear was amazing, it was so ahead of its time. It was like Holden before Holden, but like baggy, cool, unique. It was just the best. I was so hyped to be on them. Um, and then I got. I was diving into this path where I was really into like the Tech Nine movies, but I was also really into Love Hate, and there was kind of like a lost kid in Winnipeg that was just meshed between the two. <laughs> so I would wear like grenade gloves, like a Tech Nine hoodie, and like jeans that were big enough to fit over. I was. Ne- I could never do the boot. You know what I mean? I had to get them over the boot. They had yeah. to be baggy enough jeans to get over the boot, but like that's it. And I did that for not even a full year. I filmed like three clips that year. Those are the one 270 smoke the, the fence. That clip is a hammer, by the way. Uh, <laughs> hugest stance ever. That's my first rail trip um, with, I think I was 16. I was on a rail Who's trip it? with, uh, no, uh, Ashley Barker, Dwayne Weeb, um, the greet, like we met up with like Todd and Ryan, Kevin Griffin, Josh Voggs, and uh, 
yeah, that that trip was like the first time I had like a legit camera filming me, and they were like, "There's a chance that this could be in sandbox." And mm. like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, "That's bigger than." You're like, "What? I have an opportunity to be in like, in a motion picture that's like as big as a Hollywood movie to me." Bigger. I'm yeah. like, this is like everything. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that like my kit's amazing. I'm gonna wear these new jeans. <laughs> I'm gonna front blunt 270 straight through a fence. And then, sure enough, I get, like, no clips in the movie, but that makes it in the movie. And then the next year, um, I was already on grenade gloves, uh, and I got a grenade outerwear. And then I remember I got grenade outerwear. It was the end of the year. And, like, a bunch of the Heshers at the time, because the mountain was, like, really Hesh, really baggy. And then some people trying to look like the Unink crew, you know what I mean? And, like, people came up to me, like, dude, you were the guy in the jeans, though. Like, you can't switch it up. I was like, dude, I live in Whistler now. This, like, I don't, I need to be dry. I'm freezing. It's, there's POW. <laughs> and I'm riding a 144 with, like, basically a T-bolted stance, jeans, coming home soaked every day with a tall T. Like, just, like, a confused, like, just a horrible kit choice. So you went to uh, jeans, and then what was an evolution? And then Lucas Magoon and Bradshaw and Mark Frank kind of, like, I was like, oh, dude, like, I'm smoking weed, like, Grew up in Winnipeg. All my friends are, like, hip-hop people. So, like, okay, rap. Like, I, I, I picked the one love. Like, you had all the characters, and I was just like, let's turn it up to full Nate Bozung, one love. Like, dead lung. Like, that. that's what I'm doing now. Like, no slide, tail tap, front 180s. Like, I'm on Tech 9. I'm playing the part. And I was into it. And then Tech 9 ended, and then that's when I really started to watch, like, backcountry videos. And I just was like, and since that day which is probably like 2010, 2011 when I got off Tech 9 it was like, I just want to wear like normal baggy stuff. Mm -hmm. And ever since I've had like, now it's like, to me, a perfect fit is just, just baggy enough that there's no restriction anywhere. Like I really like, like when I'm, I don't like, like I have to layer up for the backcountry. So I like, you know, you got your layer on, then you got your fleece and then you got like a puffy vest and then you got a jacket. And even still, like sometimes it's so cold, I'm not taking off the puffy vest. I want to have that like, mobility in my arms because you know i don't want to have stiff weird arms in there i want to i don't i want to tweak you know what mm -hmm. about restrictions uh, no wa good watching all these parts i've seen you're on like 20 different boards through the whole thing like yeah take us through the the like a quick cliff notes of all the boards you've ridden okay well uh first one that uh the first one i ever got was a liquid hot rod then i got a k2 fuse which is the first board i ever purchased my own money and then I got uh, like two foreign boards, one of Jeremy's, one of JP's. Um, and then I got on Academy, uh, Kyle uh, Kennedy. Kennedy, shout outs. Yep. Um, I did Academy for like two years. And then I did Tech Nine for like three years. Then I did Endeavor for one year. And then I did DC for like three years. And then, and then in. DeBolt, um, Brockles Project, I was riding a dope board, a DWD dope board, because I didn't. I had no sponsors that, at that point. I got let go by DC was done. I got called. Um, this is kind of crazy. I got called, and they're like, yo, like you're on the team. Um, we're going to put you on the AM team next year, me and this kid named Logan Hallbrick. Nick uh, Olson. Shout out to Nick's, oh, Nick Olson. That guy's the best. Um He's like, I got you and Logan Hallbrick. Like, you, we, we were meshing. Like, I think he kind of got that, like, we got it. We went to Super Park a couple years in a row, and he was stoked on us. And he's like, I'm, and he kind of gave us an idea, or me at least, of, like, the contract. And I was like, dude, I'm going to get, like, a three-year contract. I'm, like, good. Like, I got, like, a dope contract. I'm in there with the leg. Like, I did it. 
And then out of nowhere, he calls me and he's like, September, I'm good. November, he's like, I don't know, December, right before I flew home for Christmas, he's like, dude, like, can't give you boards or anything. Like, you're, you're, I had to let go of the whole Canadian team. We had to pick one. They picked Anto. Anto Chamberlain, shout out. He's the best. I couldn't be more happy for him. He's the hardest working, nicest human I've ever met in my life. So I'm stoked that that worked out for him. But it didn't work out for me. And then I was like, damn, I got, I'm going into the season and I'm so about snowboarding right now. And I'm going in with, I'm going in with nothing. Like it was like December. I was supposed to start, I was supposed to start getting paid like January 1st. And I was living on my credit card and I was like, had an idea of how much my contract was going to be. It didn't come through electric can their Canadian program done. I had zero paying sponsors going into that season and it's not like I was getting paid a lot of money. Like I said before, I was getting paid like just enough to like not work um, in the winters. I was always working. I've always worked. I've still always working in the summers. And it was just over. And I was I broke up with my chick. I was going through the hardest time ever. Sean Pettit, shout outs again. He put me in his house. Didn't charge me rent for the first like month or two. He's like, You're, he was making cake back then. I went up the chairlift with him going up to Camp of Champions. He's like, I got you, dude. Like need a place to stay. You can stay at my house. Don't worry about rent. And I was like, damn, like, thank you. Like I really needed that. I'm in, I'm in the house and I'm slanging my Xbox. I had to sell amp two, my, all my controllers. I had to, I am selling like used thrash GoPros. And I'm like, okay, I have $407 and I'm, and then I got this job and it was just like a nightmare job. Like didn't get paid for some of the work and stuff like that. And it was just like, I, it was the one of the hardest times in my life. And I was like, oh, like, I'm not going to board this year. And then, lo and behold, Skull Candy. They, the Skull Candy Canada, I don't even ride for them really anymore. I'm trying to get back on them, but they haven't hit me back up. But, like, hit me up. Um, they sent me six Gs. Woo! The, he, he was like, oh, I got you, dude. Like, thanks for the great season. Here's six grand. And I was like, oh, I paid off my credit card. I had, like, three grand left in my account. Brockle calls me, and he's like, dude, we're going to go to Caledon. We're going to go to my hometown. We're going to stay at my mom's, and we're going to film the sickest video, and we're doing it with all the homies. We're going to go with Demo, E-Man, Lane, Stathis, myself, Scott Brown, and we're just going to – and Rob LeMay, and we're going to go there, and we're just going to film. And I was like, how long are we going for? A month. And I'm like, let's do this. We go to Brockle's mom's house in the basement with all – he's got pinball machines and dope video game setup and a TV. It's like – it's the sick, you're like, you totally understand why Brockle is the way he is. And he has this mom who's an angel who came down from heaven. And as soon as we get home, he's feeding like eight smelly dudes and like he makes turkeys and hams and like feeding us all this food and we're stacking all this footage. And it was like, I started having fun again, a lot of fun with snowboarding. DC got a little stressful for me because like I said, the knuckle at Super Park and I didn't have a truck and sled yet, so I started getting my like. Maybe I should just call it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that was fun. Like I'm a reasonable per- person. I was like, it's over. And then I was like, I'm gonna do one last trip, and I'm gonna film with all of my homies, and I'm gonna have. I'm just gonna try my best and film, and like that whole crew. Like we all like we're in. It made us in such a good headspace. Like we had the best time ever. We all when we see each other, it's like that trip. Like made us so close and like. Shout out to Brockle's mom. And like, we, we filmed the DeBolts in one month there. And like, that video to this day is like super special to me. I also think it's just an incredible snowboard video because Brockle's a, a genius when it comes to Great editing video. and creative. Mm-hmm. He's just like, yeah, 
thinking a million miles a minute. And it's like, Brockle doesn't pull out the camera just thinking like, oh, this is like, he's like got a vision for everything. So then I, that video part came out and K2 calls me and they're like, they're uh, Taylor Ricci, shout out to Taylor Ricci. Um, he puts me on the, on, the, on the Canadian program. And next year it's like, I don't have any sponsors, but I have K2 and Skull Candy. And now I have like enough. I worked my ass off that summer. I got my shit together. My shit together. I'm like, I'm gonna buy a truck, a sled. I bought the whole the whole works. And then uh, Evan hit me up from Adidas and was just like, or I hit him up or something like that, and he was just down. And then the mm. Canadian program never came to. But I was like, I was like, oh, and then I'm gonna get an Adidas, and like this is gonna be sick. And I was so hyped on Adidas at the time, with Danny Cass and. Austin Smith and that whole team, and then that kind of just Nike or Adidas? Nike or Adidas. Well, it was a bit for uh, Nike for a hot minute with yep. Bobby, so maybe I'm getting the two mixed up. And yep. then I did uh, after I did Adidas, but none of them ended up paying me. But there was some talk, so I was like, you know, it's, <laughs> it was enough to look into the distance that you're like, there's gonna be something for me. Mm-hmm. And then big shout outs to K2. Ever since they've just every year have had my back. Every I've gone through three team managers and uh, Tom, who's their team manager now, hugest shout outs. Like, yeah, I've built a relationship with him. It's like he's not my team manager, not my boss. He expects a certain amount. He's business. You know what I mean? You have to do your job and you actually have to like do things. And we need assets from you because he works for the company too. You know what I mean? He's vouching for me. I got to pull my weight so he doesn't get in shit. And it's a win win relationship because I will work really hard to get him stuff, but we're like friends. And it's like, to have that relationship with somebody that's like got a lot of pull and has helped like really shape that company has been amazing. And then the unfolding of like vans and stuff like that and actually having companies that like is vans like the most hyped on me ever? I don't think so. But I'm the most hyped to ride on vans. Like I'm a big fan of them. Like and what Kevin Casillo, Jay Kuzik, Tanner, Harry, and like what they've shaped. Like they've, and I think to bring it full circle to like, you know, Dylan uh, passes away and like what that did for the Vans community and extended family, Mm -hmm. like really shaped something really special. And like to have that feeling with Fred and my crew, it's like when you lose those people, like Vans has that special feeling because they've actually had to face like a lot of adversity as like a family, quote unquote. And Mm -hmm. it's like really beautiful what they've created and, I think you get those you get those kind of special companies when you actually stick with a team and you trust your team manager for a long period of time because then you have real mentors like Jamie and Brian and these special people that like have been through a snowboard career and have been through the ups and downs that can help people like Parker and stuff like you know get through life they've been through it they've been through the the whole shebang and to have those people to lean on is like Super special. So super grateful for those two companies over the and Ashbury, like to have and the source now that I'm throwing out my sponsors, but like and like to have companies that support you for hopefully who I am in the podcast, but like more so just like it's nice to have people that like you feel like actually are in your corner. Like I'm sure you have that with some of your, the brands that you ride for, and like it feels so good. Mm-hmm. It also is one of those things where it's like it could go at any time and I've gotten to that point where I'd be okay with that and I would don't ha- wouldn't have any animosity betor- towards any of these companies I'm just like who am I I'm just like I was never the best snowboarder ever I worked really hard and I've uh I've struggled over the years to like pat myself on the back with like what I've accomplished 
which is a whole nother chapter. But like, I've, I've gotten really good with being like, you know what, if I look back at all my footage, I'm proud of what I did. Like, could I have done better? Could I have gotten more opportunities? For sure. Did I blow it sometimes? hundred percent. But like where I'm at now, like, I'm like, I'm happy with what I've done and what I've contributed. And the fact that I'm sitting in this booth with Chris Granier, who was like, dude, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I watched that trans world part. And like, and like what both of you, Jeremy mm-hmm. too, have that like done for me. It's like to be sitting here, like I did something right. Like, fuck yeah, Jody. Good job. <laughs> Good for <laughs> there you. There it is. There's Good the positive. <laughs> there's the positive. There you thing. got it, Dara. That was great. Yeah. There, I like you seeing the Dope. positive self-talk there. That's awesome. And you, dude, you've done so much and you've dedicated your life to snowboarding and it shows and it's, it's amazing to hear your story, how, you know, you could have buckled pretty easy and tucked tail and gone back to the peg, you know, when, when all of a sudden you lose your sponsors and it's like, mm. you, you just stayed with the thing cause you love it. And it's like, now you have this amazing podcast and you get to talk to people snowboarding. We get to take all this useful not knowledge that we have where we don't really know basic algebra, but we could tell you who front boarded this rail in the middle of like, you know, Manitoba that is in a small town, you know? Yeah. It's been a, it's been a wild ride, but I'm super grateful to be where I'm at now. And, uh, yeah, like I have a lot of older mentors now that are really like, you know, Enjoy the ride. There's not, it doesn't, it's not forever. You know what I mean? One day you're not going to be riding through the park. Like I want a front seven, that thing, or I want to hit like you're, you know, things are a little stiff now and stuff. So it's like every day that I'm on a board, like I'm just grateful to be out there. Like things, yeah, things feel good right now. I'm still to bring what you always say though. Like I'm, I'm chasing that white you're dragon video. Dragon. I'm chasing the dragon. Mm-hmm. I still want like that one more part that really, mm-hmm. I think there's like one or two more parts that I could, really curate to make like kind of like uh embody where i'm at now with snowboarding because i feel like i'm on a little bit uh, different chapter where like for a long time there i was just copying what like my like crew my mentors were doing like okay we're going to this jump and we're hitting it i'm spinning this way because i lost the rosham you're spinning that way and i'm just like okay now i actually go out there i'm like i don't even want to hit that jump i'm gonna go play on this boob over here like this roll to roll and like that's a really exciting chapter. You got to kind of pay your dues, but if you pay your dues long enough, filmers start like giving you that chance to like explore your creative side. You know what I mean? Like you want to gap this boob to boob. You think it'll be cool if I pull up the fish? Let's try it. You know what I mean? Where like some of those shots sometimes are like my favorite shots in the video. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be the biggest banger, but like I would say to like a lot of kids who maybe are in their heads like, oh, like they all have creative ideas and sometimes you got to bring up those ideas you have to articulate them at a certain part of the snowboard trip and to the filmer or the photographer and don't just blow over your idea because that idea could be really sick like every once in a while for sure like if homie needs to go board slide the huge kink at the train station at this time like it's not a good time for you to drop that but if you all just kind of chilling and the whole and the filmer's kind of chilling you got a good idea like tell him Cause mm-hmm. I, I think that like, there's a lot of opportunities that I miss. Cause I would just be like sitting in the back, like my idea probably sucks. Like I don't, well, nobody's going to want to see me like gap back lip this tree, like in the mountains, like no one's like, that's stupid. And then I would do it and people would be like, dude, you should do more of that. Like that was sick. Like I hear what I hear when you describe that is people finding themselves on their snowboard. I yeah. think there's a, there's a, there's an arc of people's career where you, 
you're first you're just trying to replicate and do the tricks that you think you have to do to be good enough to make it. And then you'll see people and when they find it. And like a brilliant example of this might be somebody like Austin Sweeten. You watch him early forum, he's like hitting park jumps and his his gear is kind of funky and his style's kind of weird, but he's just doing what they want him to do. And then if you watch how Austin Sweeten's evolved, and now he's like, I'm gonna bounce around on pillows and like 360 like land and then do a trick right when I land he really found himself and I think what you're mm-hmm. describing is like you're finding yourself on your snowboard and everybody's good at snowboarding what are you going to bring to the table that's got flavor that's different and that's the question people should be asking themselves but that, and it seems like you're heading in a good direction that's what Raz was saying when I was talking to him you got some visions on where you want to take it yeah, I think leaning into your strengths is super like at one point you want to be really experimenting with all the angles and you want to push all those angles as much as you can to see where your angle is. Like, maybe you're really good at going, like, massive. Like, Mads John, like, excel. Like, do that. But, like, maybe, like, you need to kind of play around with all the areas and then you can find where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are through trial and error. And then you're like, these are my strengths. Like, I'm going to lean into these. And, like, who doesn't want to see riders lean into their strengths? Like, there's so – all the best, I think, that of all of them – including both of you have leaned into those in in some regard and it's not even just snowboarding but like your personality and like what you can bring to the table whether that's filming or something there's so many strengths you can lean into as a snowboarder and like you need to lean into those because you know maybe you're not the best snowboarder but maybe you're amazing at filming and who doesn't love having another amazing filmer on the trip and like pick up the camera like who's not going to want to bring you on the trip if you're just like and if we are talking about this like just be proactive too like, there's nothing worse than, like, hitting a spot and then, like, five people are just sitting on the landing and your landing's getting destroyed. Like, just go fix it. Like, help your homie out. Like, help, mm-hmm. them, get, help them get the clip. Yeah. And when I see younger people do that and there's, like, a lot of crews that I've been riding with over the last years and they do do that, I'm like, oh, they got it all figured out. Like, they're, they all, they're all batting for each other. That's when you're with a good crew, too, you know what I mean? When you're all rooting for each other. Like, and I see the on rideaways with, like, when I watch the old video parts, because I've watched your video parts so much, but like, you know, Seth would ride away from a clip, like, and he rides into like JP's arm. Like, they, they, they're all rooting for each other. Like, those are your boys. You're like, fuck yeah, like he got the clip. And you know, when your friend has a weakness and he kind of overcomes that weakness, maybe he's not the best at like poppy jumps or like hips or like step downs and he laces. You're like, you best be like showing up with some, some energy for them because that, that's a, and that's what my crew, with both like, you know, the all my crews, Gypsy Mob, Eight Mile, DeBolts, Man Boys, like all those crews, they were I've always had people like rooting for me. And I was always kind of like not a full underdog. There was a skill set there, but I've I've always needed that added push. And I'm lucky that like everybody that I've ridden with is always like, You got this dog. Like the front 180 into this wall and DeBolts, like Lane and me and Brockle and E-Man were up there, I think, and it's like Brockle was just like, dude, you and Lane was just juicing me up. And it's like, I'm sure you've been at a spot before where you're like kind of battling and it's like kind of stressful. Like it's not one of those, like you can marathon, like you got to do it or you're probably going to get broke the fuck off. And I was like, I got to buckle up and lace this. And like having a crew that's rooting for you is pretty amazing. Wow, Jody. I've loved that. Gas up your friends. Also that clip into the wall is a heater. And since we're talking about clips, Jones, do you know what time of the show it is? I'm going to guess, name that video part. Name that video part. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about the Icon Pass because winter is right around the corner. Resorts are about to start opening. They got the Icon Session Pass starting at only $319 adult. The Icon Pass Session 2-day, 3-day, and 4-day pass options offer a range of affordable entry points for the over 50-plus Icon Pass mountains. They also got the Icon Base Pass with limited blackout days across most of the 50-plus mountains. And of course, they got the Icon Pass. Only the Icon Pass provides the most access to the most mountains with no blackout dates. That's every bit of good stuff possible. They got over 178,000 skiable acres across more than 50 destinations worldwide. The good stuff is almost here. Again, from only $319 adult, stay ready with your at Icon Pass to 50-plus destinations worldwide. Okay, Jody. This is big for you, media guy, snowboard nerd. How are you feeling? Confidence uh, level zero through ten. First yeah, of all, I was, I was waiting for you to ask me that, yeah. and I was like pondering about like what number I was going to give you for a couple days now. I'm just going to say five. That's mm. fair. I okay. think that's fair based on my skill set of. Uh, I like that folders I have in my brain. I like that. So <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to let you know I did three. We got three. Oh, dude. You're so going to ruin my career if right you, here. If you get all three right, you're a god. You get all three wrong, um, you might be rethinking your life. You might want to do an ayahuasca journey and, uh, you know, go to... Take another look at that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> might want to become take, a janitor. Maybe take the air out of it. <laughs> all right. Let's go. All right. First song. Here we go. Tell you not to hang around and know what life's about. Kind of a meatball. Looks like you know it. I think he's doing a switchback 180 at this time of the video part. Devin Walsh. In? Form that. Nice. All right. It's looking Perfect. pretty good. One for three so far. All right. Here we go. This one's maybe another meatball, but we'll see how you do. JP. Oh. Same team. Yeah. Oh, Christophacy, True Life. Nice Correct. Job. You said oh. it with such confidence that I do know that you do know that. Yeah, I he, think I'm... He it's a maybe. Of, it's, he, a, it's a point five. He put the cart before the horse. He kind of blurted it out. I'd it, give it... Yeah, I like the Souls point of five. mischief. Yeah. Now, this is, this is really the one that's... You know, everybody said make it hard, and I think that this one's reasonably hard. Here we go. Play it again if you'd like. Yeah, hit me again. I'm not going to get that one. Oh, no. Neither. I'm not either. Oh, no. Yeah, I knew that one was tricky. It's, it's a really good part. Um, Mikey Rents has a part in this video as well. It's a Transworld video. I have a part in it as well. I don't know. I'm like, There's a couple names that come to my head, but like maybe like Arrow... That's correct. Nimala? Yep. Yeah. Dang. Arrow's the part job. that he has a switchback nine on it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Arrow Nimala, get real. So that's a point five. So I think I got overall, we're going to give me a two out of three, right? What do you think? <laughs> I, I would say the last Combined. one's a full grenade. I don't, uh, I'm not going to get, but I will give you the second one because I think you did truly know it. And and you did earn a I think a 50. You did good. Yeah. You got I'll give you a two thirds. I'll give yeah. you two thirds. Or, yeah. Two thirds is good. Yeah. Hit me with my prize pack. A fat I've been 50. waiting for. <laughs> 
Oh my! And a Yeti bomb hood. We got Dude, a you Yeti got the upgrade. Yeah, Yeti uh, carry all there. You can put uh, your snowboard gear on the way up to go ride Whistler in that thing. I think it's round time for round two of Jeremy Jones coming on the podcast. <laughs> I might need a new uh, care Yo, package. Yo, shout outs Yeti. Just yep. like for getting behind natural selection. Like I don't ride for them or anything like that. But what they're doing as like a massive company and getting behind cool things like. Kudos to you. And they make great product. I bought a couple things from them, and I'm just a big fan, so nice job. 100%. Major shout-out to Yeti. Uh, we like to chug coffee out of their drinkware. And uh, thank you for supporting the show, Yeti. We got um, Yeti carryalls for all your guests. So uh, part two of Name That Video Part is for the listener. And if you know this video part, comment on Instagram on the photo of Jody when his episode comes out on the Bombholes Instagram. And... The person who you have to name rider and video can't just say the name, can't just say the video. And Holden Bars picks it, so keep it easy. First person to comment wins a prize pack from us. Don't get too excited, it's like some stickers and a beanie or something. I don't even know what's in these things, but you know, budgets are a little tight. Here we go. All right, thank you guys for playing. Name that video part. The more I'm on here, the more I learn that I'm not really not that good at naming that video part. <laughs> it's good. Unless you're like holding Barth, it's like kind of the hardest thing. It is hard to like, my f- snowboard folder in my brain takes up like everything, like all the space. Like it's a, f- it's like one terabyte and it's like 90% snowboarding. But the video part songs doesn't take up that much of the folder. Like mm. more tricks. Like, I'll know tricks like the arrow switchback nine. As soon as I knew that I was in that video, I was like, oh, arrow has the six switchback nine. But knowing the song he used, I don't know. Those files just get dusty and the ink smears and my brain just pulls out nothing. Mm. Dusty files. Sorry, Duffacy. Yeah. Huge Duff fan. I think you knew that. I Deep down, I think you just, just yeah, blurred that it. Was, that was just a, a fumble. All right. So I'd like to change gears because you judged natural selection this year in AK. And I would love to hear about your experience with that. Um, my experience with, with that was, well, first off, I was super grateful. Huge shout-outs to Natural Selection, the crew, Liam, Carter, everybody that works there for just believing in that event and doing that event. It has made such a cool space, similar to the bomb hole, but its own thing. And it's like, thank you for doing that. I, I, I love the event. I'm, a huge fan of all the individuals behind that event, Travis, um, and what and why they do it. And when you get immersed um, at their events and you hang out with everybody there, oh, everyone is so about it and, like, sees the bigger picture and the reason why. And it's, it's really – it's a, an incredible event. So cheers to them for doing it. Like, if I wasn't a part of it, I'd still just be such a super fan. I, I love backcountry snowboarding and the riders that get to go there. Like, it's amazing. Um, getting the call was, uh, I almost said no. My, f- this is crazy. He called, Li- Liam called me, Liam Griffin. Amazing. Shout outs, Liam. Um, Liam hits me up. He calls me. I'm imagining this kind of unfolded from, um, a DM I sent him one time. Like I was just like straight up. I was like, if there's something that I can do with natural selection, like putting yourself out there, something that I, I realized over the years is kind of important. 
And I was like, hey, like judging, announcing, like whatever. Like I, I'd be down to like be a part of this because I believe in it. I think it's sick. And uh, it said scene and he liked it or said like, cool, like I'll let you know. And that was like a year and a half before he called me. And I was like, oh, wasn't thinking of it, anything of it. And then Rasmin, shout out to Chris Rasmin, my dog. Um, Rasmin calls me one day and he's just like, he wanted to kind of get a feel if I would like take it serious and if I was actually a good fit because he also really cares about and he has a really good relationship with Travis and everybody and he wants that event to be successful and so he doesn't want me to show up and say that I'd be a part of it and then do a half-assed job you know you, there's nothing worse than getting your friend a job and them showing up and doing a shitty job like just don't show up then tell me you're gonna do you're gonna put 50% in so I, you don't burn my bridge and make me look like an idiot so I'm like Chris calls me and he's like, hey, would you be interested in judging natural selection? He's like, I don't really, like, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but they, they've been throwing out your name. Um, it's in the mix. Like, what do you think? And I was like, I would love to do it. Um, and then Sheen um, and Jeff Pinciero from Baldface, legend. Uh, I think Jeff and I just really hit it off. Um, the couple times I've been at Baldface, shout out to Pat Moore for putting on that avalanche course that keeps all of our community so safe. I can't, yeah, take an avalanche course. Um, and uh, between Sheen, Jeff, and Rasmin, I think they may have talked to Carter or Liam, and they just vouched for me. And when Liam called me, he's like, "Hey, do you want to judge natural selection?" My everything went slow mo. Like you, if you've ever been in a car accident before, everything just slow-mo and my brain's just like say no like it's too much pressure like who are you to be judging travis rice imposter syndrome a bit chad otterstrom is just like chad O. like <laughs> i'm like i don't know if i have the merit to sit up there with chad like I, I, i'm like but then there was another part of me thanks to like the chapter i'm on in life that's like you have to take this is an opportunity why would you say no? Or at least say yes to it. Think about it. And you can call them tomorrow and say, like, no, like, this is months before the event. Like, if you said no, but then retracted that to a yes, he's going to think that you're kind of wishy-washy and not, like, about it. So I paused and I actually thought about what I was going to say before just blurting something out, which is unlike me, as most people who are listening to this episode know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm in. And then I called my dad. I talked to... My fiance, my my girl Chelsea, and uh, and I called a couple other friends, Mark Sollers, I think, just people that you call like your go tos, and just kind of like, and everybody was like, you got to do, like you got to do this, like, and so I said yes, and it was easy, and then once I was sitting there, and the first rider went, and I realized like, I was so nervous. Similar to like recording an episode. I don't know if you get this. You're like kind of nervous leading up to it. But once you're in the booth, you're like, this is chill. This is what we do. We talk about snowboarding. Soon as the rider starts going down, I'm like, this is what I do. I judge snowboarding regardless if I'm a natural sled. Like, let's go. I'm, I'll tear <laughs> these part people apart. And that event was the craziest venue that natural selection or any snowboard event has ever been held on. And the fact that we did a scout day the day before on the, like in that pillow zone and you got to see the scale of those pillows. Like, they're the biggest pillows that, like, Jonathan Moore, John Jay, E-Jack, Lucas Dabari, like a couple, J-Rob. There's a couple riders that could hang in that, maybe. Like, you have to be a wild, wild west cowboy to be like, 
Dustin, what, as soon as the event started and we were in Revelstoke and you see Dustin, he's like, I'm going to go for the biggest line. <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you are. It's going to be the coolest thing ever. And, uh, and although the judges, we had some difference, like we, there's three different people. Or at this one, sorry, there's five. Guillaume, amazing snowboarder, robot food, great style. You have Connor Manning, who's been in the game forever. So much knowledge. Um, really rad to work with him just because he's so... He's a really good judge. Like, he gets both sides. And then you have Chad and Brian Fox and myself. And then once I sat down and I met these people and we went for dinner, I was like, this is really cool. And I was... I think that we made... Generally, I like all the calls that we made, but some of the calls we had, you know, you have a different opinion. But you're, I, I kind of looked at it as like we're a team and this is the result the team came out with and that reflects the team. And even if I have a different opinion than like whoever won or whoever went on, it's like, it's not a you game. It's like the team came up with a consensus. Those people are all hired because for, for whatever reason to reflect the overall, um, image and vibe of the whole contest and we're all there for a reason because we all have different unique qualities that we all bring to the table and i i think we did a great job based on like what we saw and how we communicated could well there was a couple things throughout the whole event that i wish went a little differently but like you don't throw the whole team under the bus just because like it didn't go everyone's way i think every contest in history there's an argument that somebody who was in fourth could have been in second and I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, Mark McMorris knows better than everybody, but there's a reason why he doesn't quit. He doesn't just stop doing contests because one result comes bad. It's like, so overall, it was a crazy experience. I'm super glad I said yes. And um, a lot of those riders I didn't really know and didn't have, like, I didn't know Travis, and this is the best story ever, so I'll say it. <laughs> Day one, we're in a huge circle. All the riders, the whole team, Travis is speaking. He's such an epic presence. Like that homie is thinking a million miles a minute and he needs to. Like he's a dad. He was about, I didn't know this, but he's about to propose to his wife. It's like he has this big contest tour. He has companies hitting him up for like these. Everything he does is on such a crazy scale to just think about what's going through his head on the daily is, is insane to wrap your head around. So he's talking to everybody and I'm like, oh my God, it's Travis Rice. And then he's looking at everybody eye and then he looks at you because when he's talking he's so good at communicating and, and then he makes eye contact with me and he's like who are you and i was like <laughs> <laughs> i'm like and so of course like my homies like dustin and mickle and like everybody else just start dying laughing <laughs> they're like oh, especially dustin and then i was like uh my name's jody i'm uh, i'm i'm judging he's like nice <laughs> see him in the elevator later that night I get in the elevator, drop a floor. Travis walks in. I just like, because I'm short, I'm looking up to Travis. He's like this gladiator figure who's looking at me. He doesn't say anything. And I reach up to give him a high five like a child. And I slap him a high five. Elevator goes down, opens, and he leaves. <laughs> I loved like our like demeanor and like it was, uh, it was, it was comical. But uh, <laughs> thanks for having me at your event, Travis. And uh, that one was pretty hilarious to... I don't know. Like, I'm sure, I don't even know if he was joking to this day, if that's, that's his humor or whatever. Like, but like, I didn't care. I'm like, well, he, he might've not invited me, but like, I'm here to do the best job I can do. I've watched every Travis Rice video part. I know your strengths and weaknesses. And like, I'm going to judge you like anybody else. And like, I had friends in that event and to remove that bias and watch people go like, 
And there are certain things that you just can't see when you're judging. You know what I mean? Like some of the riders would be at a different angle. And later on, they're like, like Blake came up to me when we were in Alaska. Like, how did you guys not judge like Mikkel's front three better? And it's like from our angle, it was like an open field below him where other people are traversing on top of more exposure or like it didn't look that technical. But then you see different angles that you didn't get during the live feed or like GoPro angles. And you're like, whoa, they had to avoid this. But like. That's not why you're you're judging based on the information that you have, not the information you don't have. So right. you're working with the best you can in these like really complicated, like the fact that they can pull off this event is insane, especially Alaska. It's like to fly in the timing and everything like that. And you meet somebody like Liam who was born to delegate tasks and like organize this entire event. You're like, the fact this is happening is insane. Like, yeah, some maybe us all being on this perch, it would be more beneficial to have two judges over here or whatever. But, like, we're working with what we got. We all, we're all beside each other on a knife ridge, you know, sitting up there, hanging out with Blotto. Shout out to Blotto. I got to talk to him about life on this ridge, and he's giving me all these pointers about life. And the overall, the event was incredible, Chris. <laughs> I like it. I like your take, and I would love to hear you uh, a lot to the story you mentioned earlier about listening to Blue Montgomery's episode. Well... The blue episode was incredible, like a lot of your episodes. I, I'm an avid listener. Um, Thank you for that. Uh, the blue episode, I was actually on the way to Alaska, and I was listening to it. Um, I listened to it once before with Belzil on the way to Stewart, and I listened to it um, again, just like the short chapter. Sometimes I like to, like, there's a certain bit of the podcast I like to, like, re-listen to because I think there's, like, and Blue is talking about Travis and how it doesn't matter when Travis would have been born in human existence. He would have been a great whatever. If he had to make ships, he would have been the best ever at making a ship. If he had to sail the seas with Christopher Columbus, he would have been a gladiator. It doesn't matter. He's just like born to be an incredible, inspiring human. And I'm like... I got like pretty fired up and I was like, I'm going to go to OK AK and like as much as I'm judging natural selection, I'm just going to see because I've never been to Alaska, like real Alaska. I've been to like the sled zones, but not like AK AK. Um, and we're in Valdez and I drop, we get heli bumped up and we get dropped off on this knife ridge. And I'm just imagining if I had to drop, like if Justin Hosnick was like at the bottom, like, OK, ready. And Ollie G's on the other pit, uh, other peak. And they're like, we're ready for you to drop, especially back in the day when they had a helicopter filming you and somebody a filmer's hanging out of the heli like okay we're ready and i'm like i don't know jamie lynn and i'm looking at my polaroid photo like i think that's my line like i'm up there being like i don't know if i can hang like i kind of had this big vision during the podcast that's like i'm gonna go to alaska and figure out that i'm gonna want to chuck carcass here like i'm gonna want to like go front seven and on get super technical on these lines and then when you see somebody like elena or like Ben Ferg, right? Like, it is so insane how good these riders are. It's like, it does not, like, the video footage will never show what these riders are facing from, like, the conditions, the snowpack, to not having rid, uh, ridden their board for a couple days, to getting new boards that they have to ride or a different size. Like, they are overcoming so much. And then they drop in, they go into these flow states, and it's like they are riding down this huge face and shout out Zoe, who is arguably one of the best snowboarders to ever strap in for her to go from like park riding to just jumping into the backcountry and being able to hang with like somebody like 
Elena and Travis and Mikkel, who have been doing this forever and holding her own, and not because she's a girl, because she's that good. It is like, I'm just up there and I'm like, I want to be like Zoe. Like, that, like, it's so inspiring. And then I'm watching all my best friends, like, in a contest where they're pushing their riding to like the highest level and watching that live with binoculars. I was like, this is the craziest thing to ever witness, let alone judge when they're close runs. It's heartbreaking. Like Rasmin went and it's like, I'm rooting for Rasmin's against Travis and Rasmin got thrown into the mix really late. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be biased, but we're all rooting for Rasmin to beat Travis. Even Travis is rooting for Rasmin to beat Travis. (laughs) Because Rasmus, I think Travis was like, I can't keep winning my own event. And I think there's some people that are like, oh, it's bias and stuff. But like when you see Travis ride live, it's even more impressive than the video footage. It's like it is that it is insane. It's like the stuff that he like the video footage doesn't show some of the gaps he was doing, the exposure that was below him. People pick the left and rights where the like the mountains tend to like taper off and they're a little bit like, you know, fingery, but there's lots of snow below them. So even if they screw up, it's like they're most likely gonna rag doll into a safe zone, which is super smart if you're a beginning a beginner rider. But when you're somebody like Travis and you are willing to defy like all human gut instinct to not do these gaps because you have 500 feet of exposure and like rock below you and he's trying to do the craziest gap ever like trying to judge that versus chris was super hard because like i've seen chris ride live over the years and that was like not a super on day for chris like chris that riding is like it's good most people would say like oh that guy did really good like rasmin is one of the best snowboarders i've ever ridden with ever especially in the backcountry like it's like truly he has that gift where he's up there with like like he could go on a trip with Gigi, John Jay, and Travis Rice and hold his own in any in and that day I just I didn't think he really showed up to the best of his ability. He rode to like he picked lines, he did a back seven and a front seven and he kind of scrubbed around. But then like looking at the technicality of Travis's, I think like all three of us were like, it's it's Travis. But then you watch the playback and like people could easily argue, like, oh, it should have went to Rasmin. But mm. like when you're there live, it's different. So it's understanding that-, that we don't have the same feed that other people like we're on binos watching it live where there's other elements to um that 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 the viewer misses for sure is there a head judge yeah connor manning okay he's that he's incredible because yeah. it's yeah, like m- me and chad o will start like oh chad's incredible too because chad is like this is who won that event done as soon as they get to the bottom he's like thinks it all computes it in his brain and whatever he comes up with we don't say anything we all pick we're quiet and then we're like, okay, let's talk about who. And we, then, if every if everybody if the head judge blurts out who wins, maybe that like changes who you thought. Yeah. Would, so it's form important to come opinion. up. You yeah. form your own opinion. That's why you're there. And then you talk about it. Connor has like, especially with the live event in Revelstoke, he has like a minute and twenty seconds to get back to the people in LA with who won. And if we're, if we're arguing about like who should win, whether it's Dustin or this person, it's like. He has to make a call and he'll literally, if that last 20 seconds, he's like, we chatted about it. Everyone shush. They're clearly, we're not at a consensus. Like this is the call. And you would need a strong figure to make those yep, calls when you're live and you have to do that. And kudos to him for like making bold, bold calls when he had to. And like, sometimes maybe he would actually be the one voting for the person who would be out, but he'd be like the general consensus based on this conversation. And what we talked about for the last minute is X and 
that's what we're paid here to do. So we're going to move forward with that. And I'm like, and I mean, to be up there with Chad was just, I'm the biggest Chad O fan. So. Also, just talking judging, too. If you look at it, it's a fucking thankless job. If you get it right, nobody gives a shit about the judges. And if you get it what is seemingly wrong, because it's an opinion-based thing, it's not a race, it's not a, it's not factual, it's, it's all subjective, like, you're thrown to the wolves. And so, yeah, I mean, everybody there is really qualified, you know, but it's just, a, it, is, it is good to have empathy for people in the judging position, because when you watch stuff, you're like, that's fucking bullshit, this is bullshit. And really, it's like, it's a thankless job, you know? You, it's like, you gotta have thick skin to be a judge. You just have to sign up and be like, I am going to, people are going to disagree with some of these decisions and I have to have thick skin. And that's kind of what it is. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like I made the calls I made and I stand by every call that I made still. And although some of those calls weren't reflected in the actual, like who got podiumed, that doesn't matter. It's like, I was there to say my opinion. I did it. And Mm -hmm. I was happy with my calls. I'd love to do that again or announce. I'd announced this like event with T-Bird after they had some extra heli time because Travis is awesome. And we got to, me and T-Bird, who, like, he doesn't know this, but, like, I'm a huge fan of him. Like, I, I've followed his photography, and I love photography. So it's, like, getting, yeah, like you said, everybody is so qualified, and you're you're watching, like, there was a freestyle event or whatever, the, uh, the super session they had, and everybody is riding this face but having fun with it. And we were just announcing it live, and I was like, well, I like announcing, too. Like, this is this is a blast, and it's, like, a little bit less stressful than judging where, like, everybody's your homie the day before the contest and the day after Dustin actually like he like puts me in a headlock I was getting texts from like all the wasted youth homies being like you better get out of town or your tires are gonna get slashed and it's like but it's all good ba- like they're they're all homies and yeah shout outs to the wasted youth crew too in uh Revelstoke <laughs> that crew's awesome just about, about they're insane it. We've kind of briefed over the man boys this whole time and we haven't actually dove into uh man boys and you guys have had a great run of videos. Also, your new video uh, is coming out soon, and it's coming out on our channel. So we appreciate you guys doing, doing, sharing that with us. Do you guys want to talk about your, your new video first? Well, first off, thanks for hosting the video. Um, we, we talked about it two years ago um, when you guys were really starting to take off, and Rusty actually brought it to the table. He's like, I think, he's like, I think it's a no-brainer that like, the coolest thing in snowboarding right now is the bomb hole and we should try to be on that platform because it's the cool it's the best like why like why and why wouldn't we want in any way shape or form for our snowboarding to help the bomb hole get our community and vice versa like it's Mm -hmm. a win-win scenario um which was a really good we were it was you know the crew was like definitely but like is chris is chris gonna be down you know what i mean like we're all like Whistler bubble backcountry people and like we don't live in Salt Lake and we don't film for the dust box, but like we we love the dust box, but like we get it. We're older backcountry guys now and we're like but like for you to give us the pat on the back too, like no, like we would be hyped to to have your video. And last year's video in particular was my favorite um Man Boys movie. But uh to kind of go from the beginning, it was basically um a crew that didn't have a place to go, you could say. I wanted, after DeBolt's Brockle was going to keep filming dope movies, I obviously, at that point, I wanted to stay with that crew. Um, and then Brockle told me he, he maybe wasn't going to make a movie, or it might have been a dope movie, and I wasn't on dope boards, I was on K2. And so I was like, okay, I got to find something else. So I hit up Meyer, actually, and Meyer was like, we're making a VG movie, you can be in it. And I was like, damn, like, 
this is, I was, I was like, okay, I'm so in. I thought about it. I think I called them back even. And I was like, I don't think this is going to work because I want to live in Whistler and I want to, I want to try this thing called backcountry snowboarding. And I really want to dive into it. And I don't think that filming for videographs with nobody living in town is going to like be the best call for me. And the year when I was doing DeBolt's, Rusty, Rasmin, and Belzil made, it wasn't called Man Boys at that time, and they just made like a video together. Rasmin didn't have anybody to film for and was kind of like, I, he just didn't have a crew yet, and I don't think anybody could see his value or talent yet at this point. And I think that Matt and Rusty were like, we're, we're going to take a shot on this guy. Because Matt at the time, um, maybe one of the most underrated snowboarders, but Absolutely. like Matt had, Matt didn't have a, a part to film for. And I think Rusty might have had some options because Rusty just closed um, the People movie the year before. And, Ru- and so, but Rusty was like, I want to do something with some friends. I'm not sure exactly the ins and outs of that. But anyways, those three worked on a project together the year before. They worked super good together. And they both realized they're all on the same page. They And they were, I was good friends with Matt and Rusty, but not Chris at this point. And I was kind of like, oh, that guy from Alterna, like I was in Sandbox. Alterna was like this other video that like, they had some sick videos, but it just like wasn't what I was about. And I was like, uh, you guys are filming with Rasmin and like, you know, Matt and Rusty, like they're my homies and they're really sick. But like, I don't know, like I was, I was like, where do I, where, what do I do here? Cause I, I want to film rails. And then Rusty's like, why don't we just make a movie and you can go on some rail trips and, um, maybe we can get Anto involved. Cause I work so well with Anto. Cause it's like, we f- don't ride the same features. We don't even look at snowboarding the same. I don't think we like, if we were to watch like videos we would have we would both like different things but that doesn't mean that he's not one of the most like caring giving amazing humans who's like all about me getting my clips too like and so i was like oh that would be sick and like okay like we got a little bit of a crew here and then like uh craig had nobody to film for and we didn't really know craig that much at that time but craig was really good friends with anto and i was like i'll try this out like i don't really know chris i don't really know like let's let's try this out and it that whole crew really meshed like really well. And it kind of came from like, I'm missing some chapters because it's been 10 years now and I'm kind of mending some. So like maybe some of those guys are like, "Eh, it's this and that, but like overall that's the consensus and a cool part of starting um, your own thing. And I think a lot of people kind of wait around for them to be like, Oh, I want to be in the new slush mag movie or I want to be in torments movie, or I want to be in like maybe Justin Myers making a project and I can be in that. And you want to be in all these amazing films, but like you don't have your foot in the door. It's like, we didn't have our foot in the door with anything. So when it, we, we did what any crew should do, make your own thing. I hear so many people bitch and complain that they don't have like, Oh, I don't have a project to film. It's like, do you think that we just sat around and we're like, we don't have something to, f-? we're like, we're going to make something. Mm-hmm. Where's a group of people that I could potentially work with and we could like succeed in making a project. And then you work with those people and sure, some people may come or go, but then you, you make something and it becomes your own. And I remember people like later on just being like, well, we don't have something to film for. I'm like, nobody at one point, nobody had anything to film for. And where do you think all the great Mac dog didn't have something like, Everyone who filmed for those films at one point had nothing to film for. Mm-hmm. And then they built something. And then like Justin Meyer, first year video grass, like that, or like Kid Snow, every video project that's ever existed came from somebody being like, we don't have something to film for. Like I got a, 
homie that shoots photos. I got a homie that's down with filming. Like, let's go grind it out and see if this works. And that's like the coolest chapter you can do as a young person is like start your own crew and start filming. And then before you know it, you evolve. Some people leave, some people stay, but then you can start achieving like maybe your crew really takes off like Videograss. Maybe it doesn't like the Bruners and other crews that have come and gone over the years that are crazy good crews, but like Dylan Ojo gets taken out of that and stuff like that. And those homies are rooting for that guy. So it's like, I think like to, to drag, drag it in, like to, to kind of capture what I'm trying to say here is like, if you don't have something like make something and that's what we did. And we took a shot, took a gamble. And after a couple of years filming together, it's like good friends turned to best friends and best friends turned to brothers. And now it's just like, I like for sure there's, we argue all the time about like what's dope and what's not, but every snowboarder does, you know, a video ends and it's like, I want a different music in it and I want it to look a little bit differently, but so did Matt and so did Chris. And it's like, you know, you always want things to look a certain way, but, um, especially me. And they always give me a hard time about that. But like, I'm, because I'm good friends with Jake, I always got that put in my head. Like it's important to represent yourself in a certain light because that's how you want the world to see you. Like we all have, we're all playing a little bit of a character, whether you're mm-hmm. trying to pretend or you're not. And like, I don't know, like I, I cared about who my character in the world looked like to, to some degree. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it, yeah, we didn't have anything to film for. So we made a project and it's years later. We now we're on 10 years and it's, Looking back, it was the greatest time ever. Like, I spent 10 years in the mountains filming with my best friends, and I didn't know how to snowmobile. I was the new one. So, like, to have mentors that, like, had patience that, like, like I was saying earlier, like, I had people in my corner. Like, they were giving me a hard time. Like, don't get stuck again tomorrow. You're holding us up. And, like, I don't want to hold them up. You know, you get to the jump too late, and the sun's gone, and it's like, like, Hollywood cliffs. Everybody wants to hit the Hollywood cliffs. Like, when you're a kid, they're right there. They're accessible. Now it's a two-hour sled ride, especially if it's deep. Got to bring extra gas. And you're, like, showing up, and you forget your beacon or your batteries, and you don't have an extra jerry. And it's, like, all these things you learn. But, yeah, it's, like, it's been a really, really, really special ride, and I'm really grateful for those guys because it goes way beyond snowboarding now. It's, like, you know, if Matt needs a hand with something, you know, any one of those people would drop anything to help him out. And then 10 years of that relationship, it's like snowboarding is going to end one day and we're going to be on new chapters. And we're starting to see that chapter unfold. Like Matt has two kids. Bo has two kids. People have like, they're not moved on. They're still boarders and they always will be. But like, you know, at the end of the day and when we're 50, 60 or 70, we're going to have a really good group of friends that's like, been through a lot like navy seal been through a lot you know like we've been there with when you're even in the streets it's the same thing dude like people were there when joe sexton hit his head and like we were there when craig broke his leg in half and the bone is sticking out of his leg and he's bleeding and he's two hours away and no reception it's like what do you do homie is bleeding out right now like you gotta sink or swim like or this guy's not like gonna make it out and it's like you kind of and i'm not saying that that's like something to glorify, but it's a reality if you're willing to, well, take a risk at anything that you like, like anything you do, especially if you're somebody who's really about being in nature, which I am, it's like, there's a risk to that. And then, you know, then you're like a band of brothers who's willing to take a bullet for the other person, you know? It's kind of like that scene, that epic scene with uh, Matt Damon in like the the church or the town. Oh, the town? When he comes up to his uh, his homie and he's like, 
we're gonna go hurt some people. You can't ask any <laughs> <Yeah>. questions. <laughs> That's you so can't good. ask me any questions. And he hops in the car without a blink. It's like he goes, he goes, no, he goes we're gonna go hurt some people. And you can't ever ask me any questions. And he just goes, "Whose car are we taking?" <laughs> and, and all of those, so all of those boys are those boys. Like yeah. ride or die. Yeah. Like That's wicked. So good. Yeah, <clears throat> wicked. That's human. good stuff, dude. So much good stuff in there. I mean, a I I do like the kind of staying on the the band of brothers, you could say, or the 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 bond that's formed, not too dissimilar to war. When you go through these gnarly experiences of people getting hurt in the mountains. Jeremy almost lost his life, broke both his legs in an avalanche. Our friend saved his life, right? Like all these types of things, as much as they, you're in the shit, they do, they do bring you to, together. There is a bond. And I think that's something that's special to highlight too. It's, it's not the, like putting yourself through hell and back. It, like, what is it? Uh, it just reminds me of that Pastrana quote. What, what is it, Silk, that he said the other day? Uh, it's not hell if you're with your friends. It's where you want to be. Exactly. Mm. That's just cool. And you just reiterated it, reiterated that perfectly. And I think that like everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. And I think you you can lean on certain people. Like I think I'm like I'm kind of a jokester, and I like to just like screw around all day. You know what I mean? And like I keep people kind of laughing when times can get kind of tough. And then there's other people like Rusty who's like super organized and like really punctual and like has all this stuff. And then there's like Matt, who's just a genius with like, I don't know, everything kind of, he's just the, the universal Jack of all trades. You know what I mean? Whether you need to help him with the trailer or anything like that. And he's like, just a really, um, selfless person. Like he puts his friends before others and Rasmin's the same Like Chris is just like, I don't even know how to explain. I don't know if my career would have unfolded the way it did without all of those people, Bo, Chris, Matt, uh, Rusty, but like Chris, there was a lot of days where, I get in my head and Chris is really good at like being like, Hey, what you, what you thinking right now? You know, it's, there's a sliver over there on that left hand corner, but you got to get over that rock. And the last time you did that front nine, you kind of drifted. So like based on what I've seen over the years, if I were you, I'd take off a little bit more on that right side. Let me actually go down. I'm going to clean off the takeoff. I'm going to put a nice line for you. Follow that line, dude. You, you got this. And like, he's, and I'm really good at talking him through things too. So we have a really cool rapport out there where, Rasmin's the first to be like, all right, where's this 200-foot gap that I need a sled towing over this rock that if I don't make it over, I'm going to die, but I'm not afraid at all because this is awesome. I'm living, you know? Like, that <laughs> homie is a different beast. And, like, and like I'm like, Chris, like, today's not the day for that. Like, why don't you just do a back three over this bump and then, like, slash that little thing over there? And he's like, really? That's kind of small. I'm like, I'd, I'd give it a whirl. Like, you surf. Like, lean into that slash. Like, you would, like, smack that wave over there. And he's like, okay, and he'll do it. Totally like he wasn't even going to use that clip. And it's like one of my favorite clips in his whole part. And I think like that dance with the whole crew that we have mm-hmm. is really special. And I think that any crew that's filmed together, like look at Jeremy and JP. Like you film for somebody, like with somebody long enough, like you build like a really special relationship with them. I look at you and Scott Stevens, like, yeah, you guys are friends outside of snowboarding. But what mended that whole special relationship was your love for snowboarding. Yeah, and is to highlight exactly what you're saying too. I was thinking this even when you talk about brands, right? You were talking earlier about vans, and in some ways, how you know, even Ojo passing, almost like they they like didn't they they celebrated Ojo, and it's this group of friends celebrating people, 
and this group of friends that are authentically friends and it shows in the videos and it shows in the brands and it shows when JP and Jeremy are boys on the on the film trip and it shows when the man boys are all hanging out and and then inversely when you take and you pluck different people and put them together because of sponsor dollars and throw them in a video it that shows too it, that it's not authentic and the same mm-hmm. with brands when they go a marketing guy is like well we need a contest guy and we need this guy and we need this person and that shows like the authenticity in friendships and people that are friends with each other being a part of things like it, it stays true within the brand and within video projects it bleeds through yeah it does there's nothing worse than seeing a video that looks like everybody filmed their own part and then they drop their hard drives off yeah. Like, I want to see somebody battling for a trick and then, like, giving Krugs a hug because he made it off the end of the rail. Like, mm-hmm, I yeah. love those shots. Like, I do too. And I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, like, and this is kind of, like, a, I think an example that a lot of people use, but, like, Dustbox, you know, they're, like, a really hype crew right now. But, like, the reason why they're hype is because I genuinely think there's, like, real friendship in there and they can, they've captured that with, like, a modern look on snowboarding and they've captured, like friends filming together like when you see that clip of dan getting out at the ender on that 50 and like all the homies rush him it's like you chase that high as much as you chase the clip like riding away and having like your entire team that seemed you battle over the years like i've been filming with those man boys guys for 10 years they know my tricks like they know what's in my head year after year they know like we know when somebody's going through a breakup or crazy stuff's happening at the house or their parents are getting sick or whatever and it's like when people kind of overcome that and like go into tunnel vision and get their clip, you're like, dude, that that feeling is way deeper mm-hmm. than just the clip. Like it's it's special. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of a good segue into fil- talking about filming break breakup parts. Something break. Oh man, my my, my breakup part was DeBolts. That was one of my better video parts. Like as far well, Brock will help do that because he's just such a tasteful filmer, and he and I he didn't tell me which song he was gonna use and he hits me with the riff rap song and i remember being like fuck yeah like (laughs) are you like because i'm kind of goofy and i think people kind of found out because a couple years before vine popped off and riff rap had like the dopest vine yeah like it's so funny and i was like oh this is this is perfect but yeah breakup year for me and then yeah john j mark sollers had a really crazy breakup year and i think a lot of people have dude i remember uh Brian Fox, probably maybe his best part, arguably, was like Enlighten, I think. And oh, yeah. I know that was a breakup year. Totally. Uh, yeah. I, I always think when people go through a breakup and then they take that negative energy or whatever they're and they just channel it, like you mentioned, it's, it can create some powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Big time. Big time. Um, you know, Man Boys, specific clips, um, Umami it's it's a montage video but you kind of have the ender handful of last clips and you are fucking shredding like natural terrain uh the drop onto the little finger and then you launch the front three it seems like something clicked that year where you just started attacking natural terrain definitely a click year I feel like every like four for me anyway it's been like every three years ish I'll have like a click where like I'm pushing into like a new approach. I'm inspired by new things. I'm inspired by new people, new looks, new lifestyles, whatever. And then like that year, I feel like uh, we touched on a little bit earlier, but I was just following the crew and what they were doing. 
Like if we went to a rail when I was a kid, I was like, I'm hitting this rail. Instead of being like, I'm going to walk around for a bit and see if there's anything around the back that suits my style and taste a bit more and try to be a little bit more like selective with my spots. And that was kind of the year in, um, in that project where I was like, I don't really want to just hit jumps anymore, like stacking blocks. Like that was kind of around the time where like, for me, that wasn't that inspirational anymore. Like the Whistler stacking blocks era was like so big for so long. And I was already burnt out on it. And I was like, I just want to ride more. And like Jake Blavelt was like really kind of pushing back then. And like a couple other, Keegan was doing like a lot more like natty stuff. And I was like really inspired by that approach. And I was like, oh, but like, I don't ever want to, like if you're building a jump, that typically becomes the whole day. And it's hard to be like, hey, can you guys just let me like butter off this thing for a bit? But at that exact time, our whole crew was kind of being like, let's try to like free ride more. It's like a bit more fun. We get some runs in. Once you get warmed up, you kind of just like, you see things that you didn't see before. Like, oh, look at this gap right here. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we do have enough speed for it. Now that like we've been hitting this thing, we can take that line and we can like, and that year we went to a couple newer zones. Um, because of the new sleds, I feel like that really unlocked a couple spots in Whistler from like 2016 after. Like once it went to like the three inch paddles and people starting to get 165s, 172 tracks, it's like you're getting places where like you would be breaking trail all day back in the day. Like my first sled was a 09 with a 146 track with one inch like paddle. I don't know, but one and a half inch, two inch paddles. Like that was hard to get around on. And before that generation, even crazier. Now we're like, oh, look what's up there. Let's just go up there. And then you're up there. And you're like, holy shit, how do we get down? <laughs> like, this is wild. <laughs> but like the terrain up here is wicked. And yeah, so that year things clicked and I definitely wanted to take a bit more of like a free ride approach. And um, looking back then, it was really hard for me to snowboard some years. And I think that every snowboarder is going to really resonate with this. I was getting some bad kits from Billabong. And I was put in a certain kit. Like, they were like, you are wearing this kit this year. Bodhi is wearing this kit. Worm is wearing this. Vole is wearing this. Tadashi is wearing this. And I'm like, but I don't want to wear that. And it's like, you don't have an option. I get the jacket. It's a sample. It fits weird. It's tight. And I'm like, there was a point there where I think I would have done better in snowboarding if I liked I, I got really insecure about it. Like, it was eating me alive. I would see the footage at the end of the year, and I'd be like, What's the point of filming anything if I don't even like the way I look after this comes out? And I didn't have a say. And Risto, who was my team manager, was amazing. But he was just doing what he was like. His boss is like, no, he's wearing that. And it's like, end of story. Risto's got kids. He needs to eat. Like, I get it. But like, being on the receiving end, that sucked. Like, I was like, I don't want to wear this tight fitting jacket. And I don't. And like, my armpits, dude, like, they were just held down and like, looking all weird. Like, I have a couple clips where like, Maybe other people didn't even see it, but I'm like, I want bigger stuff. Like that suits my riding style more. And I want bigger stuff to reflect like what I value and what I look like and what I'm inspired by, by snowboarding. And right now these kits aren't doing for it and doing me any justice. And like that year shit was a bit baggier. And I had this white jacket that was just baggier. I didn't really like the jacket, but like at least the fit was better. I'd rather things fit proper um, like baggy wise than like the patterns or stuff like that. Like I can deal with a shittier pattern jacket if it's like fits good. If I'm mm-hmm. on a brand that is like, you have to wear this, but now that I'm don't have an outerwear sponsor and I'm just wearing whatever I want, like the North face is kind of giving me some stuff, which is super nice of them. But like, I don't like, there's no contract or anything like that. So I'm just kind of like wearing 
streetwear or whatever I want, but they, they actually make some good fitting stuff. But like, I'm also not obligated to wear like a specific jacket that like they're telling me to wear. And like, I ride so much better if I like the way I look. And I swear to God, anybody who snowboards, if your kit's tight and you're in the park, you're kind of like, I'm feeling it extra today. Like, I, I kind of look dope today. <laughs> like, that feels good. to 100. be. Yeah. yeah. So what you're describing is a kit crisis year. Basically. <laughs> a, no, not a couple day, years. Not a day. A couple years. A year of kit crisis. I think that's I had two, two years of kit crisis. Yeah, that's not good. That's not healthy. Did you have to get any therapy or anything for that? Or? I know. Well, I should have because I, I like go insane in my head about anything. So that was eating me. Like I'm losing – like this shit is like I'm losing sleep. Mm-hmm. And then it was until I was talking to Jake who I talked to a, a, a lot of these like uh, – I don't know you call them like pet peeves that are pathetic mm-hmm. just to snowboarders. But we – or at least I care so much about them. And I know Jake does. So I'm like, dude, like my fits are all off. He's like, dude, just pay for a seamstress. And like yep. – And then like, done that like your lot. armpits are too tight. Yep. He's like – just pay two hundred dollars and yep. get your armpits completely yeah. redone. And I did that the last two years I was on them. Mm-hmm. I just went to a seamstress at the beginning of the year and I was like, I would order like double XL pants. I'm not that big, and I'd be like, I want the bottoms like this. I want the mm-hmm. armpits like this on this jacket. And they're like four hundred bucks. I'm like, gladly pay the four hundred dollars mm-hmm. so I don't have to have anxiety for eight months. <laughs> yeah, no, it's serious. There's therapists that specialize in kit <laughs> kit crisis. Yeah, they have so like, Jeremy Jones. I can link you degrees. up if you need help yeah, next they, time you're in town. Yeah, they got a bachelor's. They're booked actually. out. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I, I remember one time I, I uh, we were at a 32 sales meeting. I love their gear. I'm not trying to, but this sample I got was just like these things. I looked like Lane Knack in like mm-hmm. you know full metal edges black dot gear where it's just like. It just way it's for like a child and I'm a tall human and I remember we went to the park and I was filming a line with high def Jeff and I watched the line and I was like okay I gotta go and I like went all the way down the hill went all the way back to the hotel change like had to throw in the ones that were old trusty and then we were back in action but sometimes mm-hmm. it's like not even worth not even worth filming a clip. If you look at it and you're like, I don't like the way that looks. It's too traumatic, dude. It's traumatic. Yeah. yeah. It's traumatic. It is traumatic. It is. It's a real thing. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. Kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It> look, <sucks. laughs> looking back at like some of my clips, like when I look at like uh, the timeline of my footage sometimes, like I was saying the other day, I did that for the first time. I, w- I was like, all right, it's time to be proud of what you've accomplished because the Grim Reaper is going to come one day. And I like, I'd never done this and I watched all my parts. And at the end, I was like, you got some heinous clips, or like heinous combos, like the worst kits. Like, and then sometimes I'm like, damn, that kit that I thought sucked was actually like really mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Tech Nine Front Nine Super Park. Oof, that, that kit was kind of sick. That's my favorite. I hate to say. Yeah. It. I don't mean to black say. Black Resi, yeah, black T9, white, like Paisley pants. I'm like, I, I don't. Like, are you familiar with the verbiage uh, doubt fit? I believe JP and Jeremy coined there's an outfit and then there's a doubt fit. Um, that's good. What's your biggest doubt fit of, of the career? Like that I wore? Yeah. If you had a, if you had a regret. Um, I mean, there's, there was definitely some tech nine combos that like were not on film. Like the last year I rode for them where it got like graffiti print mm. and stuff. And it was like, I, there was a couple times where I was like, Oh, I don't even like this. <laughs> and then I'd watch like a, I'd watch like a bear edit and I'd be like, ah, Bradshaw is probably making it look dope. Like I'd be like, Oh fuck, Bradshaw doesn't wear this. And I'd be like, look at Lucas. Lucas isn't wearing it. I was like, nobody's wearing it. It's just me. They sent me the fucking weird shit. I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I've always kind of had kit crises though. Like it, it's the best feeling ever riding for a sponsor when you like really like their gear. 
And I wonder sometimes, like Mission 6 sent me that, like 15 to 17 is like a really pivotal, pivotal, uh uh-oh, people get what I'm trying to say though, point in in like a rider's career. And Mm -hmm. I was riding for Mission 6 and it was just like, I felt so good. I was like, these are unbeatable kids right now. Like I'm, I'm like flying, like every time I show up to the park, I'm like, this is the tightest kid ever. Of course I'm going to back 270 onto this. Like this is going to be dope. Mm, And if I see the clip, it's going to be dope too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, we're going to hit some Patreons. Silk, do you want to hit the one of the Tobias Cortez? Yeah, I gotcha. Curious to know Jody's attack plan. Lifts and runs in order from bell to bell for a prime season, which probably means late February. Inbounds, 30-plus centimeter powder day at Whistler Blackcomb. Like where I would go? Yeah. <laughs> Can't tell you that, bro. Yeah, that's kind uh, of a good answer. I, I, I'll, I'll just say I only ride Blackcomb pretty much. And I don't stray too far from the main runs, but there's some there's some good stuff there. Mm. Okay, I like good that tech. answer. Um, Jonathan Van Elslander, I hope I didn't butcher your name, says, is it cooler to grab the rope toe backside or grab it switch frontside and do a revert when it starts to pull you? Um, I think the rope toe is similar to snowboarding where you, you want to add your own flavor, so just do what feels good. Silk, you want to hit that last uh, Patreon question? Yeah, this one's from Jesse Korea. They're asking, I'm wondering what Jody thinks makes the perfect video part and his thoughts on the current video landscape. Mm. Video landscape is, I would say, the better than ever, maybe the best. I think the videos that are coming out are amazing. I think people have really good taste. Uh, yeah, so I think the landscape is incredible. And what was the first part of that question? What makes a video part perfect? I think personality, personality, adding your own flavor and not trying to like once you get over the age of like 20, I would say it's just like really it's about being yourself. Like stop. Like you don't need to you don't need to bite people for too long. Just just be you and realize that your approach that maybe you're even kind of insecure about is the best lane. Sick answer. All right. We got a guest question from none other than the legend himself, Chris Rasman. Here we go. Jody. Chris, Jeremy, Rasmin here. Hope you guys are all doing good. Stoked that you have Mr. Wachniak in the booth. And I'm looking forward to hearing this episode. I'm sure it's going to be filled with classic banter. Jody, question for you. A couple summers back, Solars and I invited you on a camping trip via jet ski. Went up to Princess Louisa Inlet from Squamish. And day one, about three hours in, was uh, particularly eventful. Um, Do you think you could elaborate for the listeners how that went for you. Would love to hear the story from your mouth again. <laughs> Take care, gents. Enjoy the rest of the recording. Can't wait to listen. Well, I, it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> it was the worst experience. Well, it was the worst experience, but the best experience. So Chris just bought a jet ski, so did Sollers, and we're driving like 500 million miles up the coast of BC on jet skis and they got Rasmus like on Yeti. So he's got like, he looks like a Navy seal. And then I show up like Hawaiian shirt, like where are we headed? (laughs) They're like, they're like jump on the back of the do. And I'm like, I'm from Winnipeg, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a dope little do mission. And little did I know it's going to be like an eight hour do like up the coast going through the ocean with like tugboats with kilometers of wood behind them. And I'm just holding on to the back of this thing. And it's like, it's getting wavy. Like, real wavy like the way i would like look at it is like you're holding on to the mechanical bull ride at the bar for eight hours 
And I'm like, I go into Navy SEAL mode, which I always, my grandfather was in World War II and I was always inspired by that. And I wrap my head, whenever I'm in a difficult position in life, I'm like, he got through World War II, you can get through this. So I'm holding on to the back, talking to my World War II grandfather. And I'm just like holding on to this little strap being like, you can't fall off. There's tugboats everywhere. I have a backpack that's not like water sealed. Like if I fall in, like my camera, everything is in my bag. And Rasmund's got the tunes just blaring and he's in the front and Rasmund just like likes this. You can see all of his muscles, which are like millions of them, are like engaged (laughs) as he's going like 100K skipping over the ocean. And I'm just like holding on to the back of this thing like, is he going to like check in on me and see how I'm doing? So we finally pull up to this beach. We have a beer. We bask in the sun. And he's like, you ready to go? And I was like, this is insane. I was like, well, I have, I'm, I'm too far out now that there is, no, there's, there is no way for me to go home now. I'm part of the journey. And I kind of clock into that back to Navy SEAL Jody. I'm holding onto the back. Like my arm feels like it's going to rip off. And then I just, Rasmin like slightly shoulder checks me. He's like, hey, this thing has sport mode. I'm going to turn it into sport mode. And then just goes from like zero to like a hundred, like full (laughs) blast, brand new jet ski, bells and whistles. Like this thing is like a Ferrari. And then he looks back and I am gone. He looks over his shoulder and apparently he just sees me skipping over the ocean. And it's not like flat. So I'm not skipping calmly over like a lake. I'm skipping over the ocean waves, getting shoulder checked into each wave that's oncoming to me. My bag is in front of me, my pillow and everything is just, it's like 40 feet away and I see my backpack filling with water and slowly sinking. I'm like, I'm like, no, like swim over to my bag. And then I'm like, oh my God, I think my arm's broken because I couldn't paddle. And he comes up to me, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, dude. I got excited when I was in sport mode. I was like, yeah, I could tell. (laughs) I could tell you got real excited. And he's like, how are you? I was like, I think I broke my arm. And he's like, haha, imagine. I was like, no, like I, I think I broke my arm. And he's like, oh my God, like we're so far from anything. Like there's nothing around us, but tugboats, (laughs) like Northern BC. It's like, nothing's happening up there except for people logging. So we get to this like little logging community. We dry everything. My hand's pretty swollen, but then we ended up going to this like inlet halfway up the coast of BC, um, to maybe one of the most beautiful remote places where like you pull in and it's just mega or mega sailboats from around the world. Like Elon Musk's friends there and stuff like that with a sailboat probably worth like $120 million. And then river rats, as we were called, show up on like these jet skis with like, you know, Rasmund's listening to like 50 cent and like pulls up and like, you know, whatever, you know, we're driving through and we're like, oh, we better tone it down. Like these people are like immersed in nature, 50 years old, probably kids just finally moved out of the house, like finally some peace and quiet. And then we show up and we're like kind of there to like, party and like hang out on the beach and anyways it turned out to be one of the mo- probably the best trip of my entire life but it was like i had to overcome some hurdles you could say and the way back he definitely uh toned it down and apparently there was a mode that he was in where he was trimmed up the wrong way the whole way there and the way back he did the opposite trim with his propeller and it was way smoother i'm like i wish <laughs> wish you would have learned that before you picked me up in my hawaiian shirt yeah, you were in streetwear, <laughs> too, right? Totally. Full, fully in streetwear getting chucked off. Dude, that sounds fun. Legendary. Uh, okay, he's also got another question here, too. Fired up. What up, Bombhole? Rasmin here again with another question for Jody. Jody, all of the riders in our crew wish they could look like you on a snowboard. You're pretty known for having one of the greatest styles out there. 
despite how self-deprecating you can be on yourself, and I know that you of all people would be the last person to admit this, the fact of the matter is you look damn good on a snowboard. However, there are these things, these elusive features called the jungle gyms, Jody jungle gyms, Jody dragon's tail. You want to tell the listeners what those are? Thanks, boss. I'm going to just save everybody some time here and keep this one short. Uh, They're basically features that nobody knows if they're going to work out. And I'm the only one to see the vision in these features. And I often try them after like a long day. I'm like, I'm like, oh, like, look at that bump to this thing. I'm going to try to like back lip it or something. And they're all like, oh, no. And like sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. And, uh, yeah, they give, they call them Jody jungle gyms. Cause like normally when I set up one, I find like five others and I'm like, well, maybe this one will work. And then uh, like rusty eventually I'll just like turn off the camera and be like, I'm not going to film you anymore. We're going home. It's <laughs> raining, dude, please stop snowboarding. And this one incident, I, fa- I found this thing called the dragon's tail and I tried it three days, like in a row, the same thing. And I did the same thing three days in a row. Cause you had to do it first try. And, uh, I just like ollied into a hole three times in a row instead of doing this like back disaster pretzel, a big idea I had. So dream big, kids. <laughs> I like it. I do too. All right. We got another good question from none other than Rusty Ockenden. Here we go. Yo, what's up, Bombhole? And what's up, Jody? Stoked you're in the booth. Can't wait to hear your episode. Uh, this is Rusty, by the way, your filmer. Um, so I don't have a question, but I know that you are a phenomenal storyteller and I have one that I think the snowboard community should hear and it is regarding the true inventor of the snowmobile. I'll let you take it from there. Um, enjoy the trip. I fucking love you, pal. And I'll see you soon. Oh man. Love you too. Thanks for the question, Rusty. Yeah. My great grand, great, great my great-grandfather, maybe just great-great or just great, invented the snowmobile in like 1907 or maybe 1911 or something like that. He lived in northern Manitoba and he had to deliver a newspaper. It was really cold up there and uh, doing it by horse was a pain in the ass. So he invented this machine with a track and some skis to deliver uh, things in northern Manitoba, which is all just snow and ice. But the long and the short of it is, if you go to Saskatchewan and a couple places in Winnipeg, he has like a plaque for the inventor of the snowmobile. It's in a couple legit museums and stuff like that. And I got all the old Dang. documents and stuff like that. It's it's pretty sick. Heavy stat. Wow. So uh, it's a pretty heavy stat. Yeah. So everybody, uh, maybe you're welcome. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He invented the old whistle wagon, yeah. as we learned earlier today. Another term for the turby. Wow, did he have a turbo on it back then, or was it naturally aspirated? Uh, I, it was. A, it was. Uh, you're fully enclosed, though. Oh, yeah. Like the whole. It's kind of yeah, dope. It's kind of like dope. That. Yeah, killer. Yeah, newspapers can't get wet, you know. Mm-hmm. Smart. All right, we got another guest question. We're just running through them. This one's from the big wig, Mikey Rents. What up, Jody? What up, Bombhole? Mikey here. Uh, Jody, just wondering if you could fill us in on um, at the end of the winter, like years ago. We all took a road trip down to Lake Louise, and you ended up in an RV, um, and you ended up showing up, I think, a couple days late. Um, If you could fill us in on that trip, that'd be much appreciated. Thanks, guys. Have fun. That, this trip is insane. Uh, Kale Stevens. I drive to Kale Stevens' house. Me, Kevin Griffin, Andrew Jeeves, Logan Halbrick. We get to Kale's house. We're taking Kale's mom's RV from uh, Whistler to 
Banff to go party, um, take the RV, RV immediately breaks down, fix it, uh, get to Kamloops, Griffin Jeeves buy hamsters and we buy some like remote control, <laughs> remote control helicopters. And then we get, we get to the place I'm bunking with, it's like me, Kale, Griff and Jeeves in a room. And then like all the whole eight mile crews there, like Arrow, Mikey, Johnny, Browner, everybody. And, uh, we're all partying, hanging out with our hamsters and flying around these helicopters and we're in Banff and the premiere or whatever we were there for like ends and Kale's RV breaks down again. And we're just like trapped in Banff and we like stay in this hotel for like five days, losing our minds with like these hamsters and like flying around helicopters in the, it was, and we were all just like, I don't I remember arrow coming in the room at like two in the morning and being like, you look so stupid, Jody, you need to get a haircut. And, and then he give he, shaves me a mullet but arrow is giving me a mullet and i'm like this is so sick arrow nemal is giving me a mullet right now awesome i repped that for a while dustin and charles were there todd who's the sickest crew ever and uh, yeah we just bought a bunch of hamsters and i don't know whatever happened to the hamsters <laughs> and they, they had a long life they were healthy and they lived for happily ever after for sure they did <laughs> and you guys were partying extremely hard at, i'd imagine as well oh yeah back yeah. then was like that was like peak partying and when mm-hmm. I was like, oh, if I party really hard and I smoke re- weed and hit big jumps, things are going to happen for me. And then I was like, oh, that's actually not the recipe to success. <laughs> Figured it out, though. <laughs> Figured it out, though. <laughs> it's a big epiphany there. It's time for the pub beer crapshoot. Now, it's time to roll some dice for some cheap fun presented by Pub Beer. No matter what you're doing, crack open a pub beer. Cheap fun is always a safe bet. Responsibly, I should say. Now, roll those dice. I'll tell you what you got to do. Okay. Nine. Niner, what do we got here? Calling from a walkie-talkie? Ooh, this is good. Niner. Uh, name one thing still on your career bucket list. Mm. I'd really like to get a cover of a ma- major magazine, like Slush, Ooh. Torment, King Snow. I've never gotten a cover. Really? No King Snow? No, so that's kind of my... That's actually like a that's like a burning goal for me. Mm. I really want to get that. Shouts that the mags are still there to give you a cover. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. Happen. It's like... Do you guys have a photog with you most of the time with the Man Boys crew? Most of the time, it was like we always had one back in the day. Um, I definitely had some photos I was like surprised weren't covers over the year. I was like, damn, like that photo was really sick. And then like the photographer would hit me up like, hey, I think this is a cover. And like pretty like like Surface, Russell Dalby, a couple people over the years were like, I think we got one. And people that like had had multiple before then. And I'm like, oh, like this is probably going to land. And then And then it wouldn't happen. So, you know, whatever. Did you hit that same jump that uh, Curtis got the cover on yeah. in that same session, right? Um, no, I wasn't there with Kurt, but uh, I did hit the... It was the year after. Oh, okay. We call it Curtis cover jump because he got the cover. Yeah, yeah, that's a good looking jump. The oh, poppy rock? Yeah. Is it that poppy rock? It's like it's a like, step downy kind yeah, of Yeah, it's like a... Ga- it's it's really sick jump, but there's... Uh, the year after we hit... Well, Curtis hit it, then the year after we hit it, and... Uh, um, the year after it filled in differently and there's a huge rock in the landing. And then the year after we went, there's more pepper in the landing. So now we're just like, dude, like we're kind of scared, like even mid season, it's like not covered. So it's like one of those things that you have to look at it. If the rocks there, you have to go back. If it's covered, then you have to go back one more time. And then maybe even one more time. Cause when you're flying that high out of the air, if you do a, like a chair kind of yeah, a, a bomb hole, yeah. a big bomb hole into that thing, you're not going to be too stoked. 
That's a land on your feet type of scenario. No yeah. hole. I'm hoping for the cover. That's what I'm. That's my. That's my plan. Let's make it happen. I like it. Good uh, goal. Well, I've been excited for this one because I know that you are going to have some good answers because you have some opinions on things. We're going to get into hot takes. Now, hot takes is presented by Oakley. Uh, I run the Oakley Mod One Pro uh, helmet, which I've been really liking. They also came out with the Mod Three, and then I run the Line Miner goggles. And that helmet goggle combo is money. You can't go wrong. So be sure to check out uh, the Oakley Line Miner as well as the Oakley Mod 1 or Mod 1 Pro if you're looking to get a helmet. Now, uh, this is called Hot Takes, presented by Oakley. First question, in your opinion, as it pertains to you, who is the GOAT, both male and female, of snowboarding? Uh, this is so tough. I knew you were going to ask this, and I was like, this is, this is the hardest question ever because depending on the day sometimes, it's like, mm. okay, so I'm going to do one overall Craig Kelly, just because I think the like where we are today, I just want to like respect that. And over the years, as I've gotten older, his approach has really like resonated with me. So, Craig, and then overall, like Nicholas Mueller, and then maybe yeah, I'll go Nicholas Mueller. Solid female. Solid. And then female, I'm gonna go back in the day. I'll go Victoria and right. I'm Zoe. Straight up, I don't think there's anybody who's accomplished what she's accomplished over these last like four years. It's insane. It's actually insane. She's so sick. It's insane. Do you consider snowboarding an art form or sport? Art. Art. 100% art. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. The I mean, I call it a mark. sport. I use the term sport a lot to be like, oh, sport or whatever like that. But like, you know, it, it's art. Because somebody like Maddie Ryan can have an impact on my snowboarding, even though like they weren't the best, you know what I mean? Where, like, a sport is, like, do you stack points for the team? Mm-hmm. Good point. Very good. Who's the most underrated, in your opinion? Um, well, underrated, most underrated. Okay, I'm going to go Bryn Alexander, Canadian kid. Uh, he's the most talented backcountry rider that's in his age group by far. I think that, like, if somebody would give him an opportunity he's old school where he's like legit letting his riding do the talking and he, he ain't writing e- emails or anything like that he's a little bit introverted and he's so good that like when you go places like natural selection it's like everyone's talking about him. i'm like dude we need to get Bryn in like he's he can hang he can ride an ak face he can ride a jump a step down so i'll go i'll go Bryn. i mean scott brown was also like super incredible and he didn't fly under the radar, but like watching his talent um, was crazy. Really crazy tricks to switch back nose press half cab on that. You've mm. had that rail from boarded, I think. Cam loops. Yeah. Yep. Um, steel or powder? Oh, powder. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll always be loyal to the steel. That's where I grew up, but powder. Maybe you couldn't use loyal any longer, but you should find another word. <laughs> oh, shit. That was, I'm hearing that from Jeremy Jones. Come on. That was amazing. That was the highlight of the podcast for me. Yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> I always got to give some crap, though, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Who, who's your, who has your favorite style ever? Uh, favorite style ever? E-Man, Mickel, Keegan. That's sick. E-Man, shouts. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. 
Okay, who has your favorite method? Oh, I, I, I knew you guys were going to... This one is tough. Mm. I, uh, let's just keep it short because we're, we're moving along here at the three-hour mark. We'll just go... I'll just, because I've done my homework these days because I've been doing a lot of guys like Devin and Sheen on the podcast, and they're older. So I've been watching a lot of those older videos. I'm going to go Jamie Lynn. Respect. Uh, what's your favorite snowboard video ever made? Uh, love, hate, true life, and video gangs. But we'll go love, hate because I watched it the most. But uh, those three, true life and uh, video gangs, were massive. And and then the robot food collection is just uh, off the side there. Mm-hmm. Really like those ones. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your favorite snowboard graphic ever? Um, favorite snowboard graphic ever. I really like, <laughs> I like the K2 Fat Bob graphic, which is like. I got I found one of those at a reuse it center and I bought them and there's two different ones. There's like the one that's like army green with the K2 logos on the tip and tail, and then there's also one with like the like Mike Rav kind of psychedelic kind of I think that sound kind of articulates the look, and then I uh, like sound waves and the K2 logo in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think that one. Or Brian Aguchi's double question mark kind of board that he rode. He's like this iconic shifty. I think it was a big bear on it. You can really see the base. And I, I like the double question mark because I've always liked the look of the question mark. It's always like an intriguing um, thing we use for our language. I've always just liked When I was a kid, I'd draw it and stuff. That was a Ouija board graphic. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like your I answer like that on one. that. That I was know, awesome. Too. Okay. Uh, what else do we got? Right, pants over or under the high back? Uh, pants... The high backs out showing. Yep. That's, that's, yeah. High back out. High back out. Okay, you go heliboard in three people. Oh. Good times. Um, whacking powder turns. You can take anybody in the world. Who are you taking? Um, three people? That sucks. Yeah, again, young Dolly did say he would take Mike Tyson. Kind of. I good. heard that. I heard that. Good answer. Um, let's just say I would take three of the worst politicians and send him off of a bad run mm. <laughs> I, I saw jeremy say that on the bobby meeks episode he's like what about one of those corrupt politicians i was like that's good or just squeeze all i would just squeeze all the homies in and then till the pilot like told me that like we can't fly I'd you be can like they're all three, all the homies are no homies show up with six mm-hmm. i like that what's your dream sponsor oh my dream sponsor uh, well, currently an outerwear sponsor would be my dream sponsor. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, totally. That was a good plug. Um, I don't know. Federal Reserve? <laughs> Give me some. Dang, good nice answer. one. Good answer. Yeah, good one. Okay. And then uh, first try, go to backcountry jump, like pat, like a step down. You're hitting it like a pat down, quick setup. Low speed, dropping out of the sky. What's your first try go-to trick? Well, a front three for sh- for sure. But I feel like that's everybody's. My yeah. second go-to would be like a back one, I think. Mm. Dang. Damn, respect. That so. That's going to be a high-speed tomahawk sw- for me over here. Or switch back five. You get in there early. Classics. No cab five, huh? Nah, I mean, I do cab fives for sure. Like I feel like I have one in every year, and it's like pretty safety. But I feel like right now because of the way the end of this season ended, I was doing some switchback fives. Uh, the landing got bombed out pretty quick, but I was like, I just feel like the switchback five 
um, is what will be my stock trick moving forward for everything. Just because I really like how that looks. Nicholas's, mm-hmm. JP Solberg, DCP, like the way that they pop, then poke and turn it into like a front three indie. <sighs> Mark Mix. I really like those. Yeah, Mark Mix. Oh, dude. He's, he's got a great switchback five. Okay, last, tr- uh, last question for hot takes. Worst trend? Worst trend? Um, worst trend? Just bad vibes. Just like that. Just a general statement. Because, like, people are going through enough. They don't need your shitty vibes there. It's just, like, swallow it up and on the car ride home, pull it out. But, like, bad vibes suck. Beautiful answer. Thank you. I like that. All right. Uh, we also have a few signed prints of Jody that are shot by Rusty himself. I have a bunch of gear for Rusty I'm going to send you home with, too. And uh, they're available at bombhole.com. If you're down to sign them, I'd actually, we haven't asked you yet, so... Oh, obviously, huge fan. Okay. Come on, I'm here with Chris Graney and fucking Jeremy Jones. Best day ever. Well, you get <laughs> you can get a signed print on your wall of Jody. That's available bombhole.com. Now we always got to ask uh, setups. What's your what K two board you're riding? Bindings, angles, all that stuff. Well, the K two board behind me is Jay Kuzik's Pro Model, which I would use for park. You know, maybe even some steel. But the board that I ride mainly because I really like powder these days is the Alchemist. Jay Stone, absolute wizard. He was on the last episode of the Bomb Hole, so listen to that one. Jay Stone is a, just, yeah, he's a complete wizard of the shred stick, and that mm-hmm. board is the best board I've ever ridden. And I'm riding the Formula bindings, um, timeless, classic, no, no gimmicks, just a classic binding that's just reliable. And uh, the Vans Infuse boots. Oh, those ones are perfect. I've rode them. They're the perfect boot, and I've struggled with boots for a long time, and I think a lot of people do struggle finding, like, the perfect boot for them. And I I like that it has, like, the strap, the boa, and the laces because depending on what I'm riding, I can kind of loosen or tighten to uh, the preference of the day. So big fan of that. And then uh, Smashberry Goggles, Jason Bros, big shout-outs, the best goggles for sle- for everything. I like the I always thought I wouldn't like the ma- uh magnet traction like kind of well, not magnet tracks but the magnets in the snap in the lenses snap yeah. on yeah. for sledding the for the lenses. I like the lighter stuff for for boarding so blackbirds or whatever and then Howell gloves Daryl Mathis so proud to be a part of that brand cuz I'm just such a super fan of him and I think that like supporting real snowboard companies like Daryl's like super important supporting things like the bomb hole and things like that like it it is important it's cuz they actually give back to the community so really hyped uh, and smart wool so hyped oh good quality stuff is awesome hmm. yeah so uh shout out to all them and then source they they get me all my skateboards and I get all my shop stuff from them and and then there's probably a couple other like you know people that send me some stuff but uh we'll we'll, we'll stick with them thanks to the north face for Free gear, but like, let's get a contract here. Come on, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, boy. Also, uh, do you run forward lean on your bindings? Uh, I'm not a big forward lean. I, I come with like, I feel like the, them out of the box come at like a really slight amount. And I finick with like, I play with my setup every year. People are like, what's your stance? Like, what's I'm like, every year I like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try this. Like, I'll see John Jay and like, John Jay's stance is like, zero and like 18 or like even just a natural selection like looking at like ben ferg stance and like everybody's stance there you're like 
oh, like this is Blake Paul's stance and Blake's, I want to look like Blake Paul. Who doesn't want to look like Blake Paul? So like maybe I should try that stance. <laughs> like, I, like it's crazy when a kid asks you like, what's your stance? And I'm like, shit, I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they change up. Well, Killer, what's next for uh, what's next for Jody Wachniak? What's next on the horizon? Um, my plan is to work really hard at Airtime Podcast to just create something that's similar but different to the bomb hole, where it gives me something that is uh, fulfilling, so I can give back to our community up in Canada and hopefully beyond, and uh, get a cover of a magazine. I know I said just like Torment and Slush and King Snow, but like Methods, Snowboard Journal, like. They're all amazing, and I'm really glad that they all exist. And so, yeah, get a cover and uh, constantly just evolve and be a, a good per- be a good person. Be able to like go to bed every night and be like, I'm a good person. I tried my best. Pat myself on the back for that, and uh, hang out with my friends and family as much as I can because you never know. Yeah, wise words. Very Lastly, wise. before we wrap this thing up, you want to throw any thank yous up? Well, thank you to you and Jeremy for having me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you yeah big and then shout outs to all my all my sponsors all the sponsors of the podcast um everybody who's helped me along the way i mean there's definitely a couple names uh kevin sansalone which i mean i said sandbox but kevin sansalone just specifically um everybody in the man boys everybody in dope eight mile all my crews that i've ever filmed with gypsy mob and then there's just like everybody who's ever like kind of believed in me because I like I sometimes I feel like everybody struggles a little bit to believe in themselves. So having people that are kind of like rooting for you is really beautiful. And uh, I think it's a really important part of life. So um, to those people, not everybody's going to like you and that's fine. But it's really cool when people do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Straight up. And uh, and all, uh, also the biggest shout outs goes to my fiance. Chelsea, who's my entire world, and life would be a complete mess without her. I don't know how she puts up with me, but she's going to marry me in a year, so that's cool. And my dog, Paloma, because I love my dog, and my mom and dad and my sister. (laughs) Hell yeah, Jody. So good. What a fun chat, man. It's been a blast. Thanks so much for coming on, sharing your story, talking snowboarding. It's been a good time. Yeah, I'm sorry for anybody who had to listen this long. If you only made it halfway and you didn't get here, that's fine too. You know what I mean? But if you had a big work day and you got here, right on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well jones thanks for coming and hosting today yeah thanks for having me chris this was a pleasure silk d thanks as always oh shout out silk d great yeah. vibes so- thank you thank you i try yeah, man <laughs> all right well thank you so much to everybody that listens tunes in supports the show all the sponsors we really appreciate you guys over and out from the bomb hole bomb hole forever home.